until you set your NFL best ball rankings or you downloaded the legendary upside rankings or the spike week rankings or maybe both. You flip them back and forth. You hop into the draft and player falls way past ADP, but you still don't have them that highly ranked. What do you do? How do you determine whether to draft off of ADP or to draft off of rankings? How do you handle stacking? How do you handle your roster construction? How do you balance all of these things with your player rankings? That's what we're going to get into today on Legendary Sickos, a Legendary Upside and Spike Week collaboration. Let's do it. Pat, we're back off a, a little mini break, and I have to ask, did you get to go touch some grass over the course of, of the last week? Because we are soon to be into training camp time and absolute uh, gauntlet best ball drafting time where we're all just, you know, sitting at our computers or on our phones and thinking about nothing but best ball and, and drafting teams. So did you get to enjoy yourself and get out in the nice weather for at, at least a little bit, maybe play some pickleball? I did. Yeah, I got to touch some grass, literally touch some grass. Uh, I was in San Diego for the week and uh, that was mm, love, that was really nice. San Diego. Yeah, it's uh, it's like beautiful there right now. They're, they got like a ton of rain over the spring. So like everything's like blooming. There's like I literally stopped and smelled some flowers at one point <laughs> along the walk. <laughs> I, was, I was like, wow, I'm really I'm really taking this literally here. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> but. Yeah, it was it was quite a nice week. Um, recharged, although I will say, I mean, I did I did draft out there. Uh, and there was like a time I went to a brewery at one point and just like ripped off a few different drafts. Um, and you know, there was a couple different windows where I was able to get some drafts in. But overall, it was definitely kind of a recharge, relax, relaxation type of week, and uh, ready to. Ready to get in the home stretch here. Yeah, we are definitely about to enter the home home stretch training camp. Um, coming up and I'm going to be a better business person. And before we dive into the conversation today, we're going to read a little, little bit of housekeeping, a little bit of promo. But if you're listening to this, I mean, it's titled with sicko in the, in the title, you have probably playing best ball pretty seriously, or you're about to get into, uh, playing best ball pretty seriously here as the heart of fantasy football season approaches. We have a fun little promo for you guys between spike week and legendary upside. If you are signed up which is a very cheap, incredibly cheap, as Pat always says, you uh, would be doing yourself a disservice. You're costing yourself money if you don't sign up for Legendary Upside and subscribe there. But if you are subscribed to Legendary Upside, you are you have available to you a 40% off discount for Spike Week. We have monthly subscriptions, which are $40, and we have an NFL package, which is $300, which will take you all the way through the end of the NFL season. So playoff best ball, in-season best ball, uh, tracking your teams during the season. All of those things will be available to you. But specifically, if you sign up for Legendary Upside, you get a 40% off discount, which is kind of kind of crazy. Like I said, as, as Pat said, that's a, big, that's a big number. I was shopping on Prime Day, you know, the last couple of days on Amazon Prime, and I was struggling to find 40% off deals even on, on Amazon. So I feel like in the... Uh, in the, the heart of uh, uh, Prime Day, we're yeah, exactly, Bezos. We're 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 dunking on Amazon here with uh, with uh, this deal. But I have found, um, and I think <clears throat> a lot of what we're going to talk about today is relevant to this kind of rankings versus ADP versus 
what do I do with I need to stack versus does this player fit my structure versus my exposures, right? If you have a, a, a player ranked very highly, but you don't want to have 70% of an individual player, how do you handle all of these things? And it comes back to kind of your rankings versus the ADP, specifically ADP when you're in a draft room, I think is um, something a lot of the times we can take for granted because it's so much more about once you're in that room, right? We can't tell you, we, we could sit here and talk till the cows home home, come home, which we do a lot about, do this, do that from a, a macro perspective. But once you get in the draft room, you have to make decisions because you're drafting against 11 other humans and they may leave you a player. Maybe you don't even love that player, right? But you reach a certain point where he's two rounds past ADP. Maybe now he starts to line up more with your ranks. And how do you handle those kinds of things, both in a draft and when we flip over the cards in week on Thursday night football in week one, do you want it to align more you know, your exposures in your portfolio with exactly how you have your rankings, or do you want to, you know, have it align with kind of everything that played out in, in a particular draft. And I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer, but it is a much tougher question. I think than maybe most would, would think about because it totally plays into how our portfolio looks at the end of the summer. And, um, I have plans for what my portfolio might look like, but if I if I take a rankings-based approach versus an ADP-based approach, the portfolio is going to look wildly different. Yeah, it's it's just like it's way more difficult in best ball is like someone who creates rankings and you know puts them out there for people to use. I'm sort of like I have this whole thing. If my rankings, you know, have this whole preamble. Here's da, 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 I recommend doing this. Blah blah blah. And someone was just like, hey, can you like move that below the fucking rankings though? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have to scroll past that every time. I'm like, yeah, that's that's actually a good note. I'll do that. But you know, now it's like no one's gonna read it, you know, no one's gonna, but it's the which is fine, but it's also just sort of a, a thing I think through of like, you know, there's certain players where I'm like, I want to move this player up. Um, you guys have kind of uh you and Sean and Pete and Ben have just been slowly, you know whittling chipping me at, and you know um, there's everybody from all sides i'm just getting ritter, ow ritter ow. move them up move them up so i'm like all right you know what how's still a bad pick but i'm in on ritter i'm in on ritter you guys got me on ritter. i like it uh, i like it job security thing has been a big thing you know i i generally don't like um to take players who i think have legitimate venture or week 17 since week 17 is all that matters uh but I, i'm starting to think like look you're already betting on drake london and kyle pitts um on those teams ritter if he got benched you, you lose like heineke's probably not going to be able to support those guys the way you're hoping. not to a tournament winning level right well, like like it, yeah. it'd be probably more like marcus Mariota last year which was they got occasionally they're on the volume because they're awesome players earning volume, but Mariota was so bad that they weren't right. going to win you the tournament. Right. And now there's some weird stuff, you know, the Titans are absolutely atrocious and they trade for Han Tannehill early mm -hmm. in the season or something. There's some <clears throat> weird thing, but in the vast majority of outcomes, if I've made good picks with Pitts and London oh, or London, you know, maybe you don't have them both, but even if you have one, you really are betting that Ritter, takes a step forward and does not get benched. Mm -hmm. So on those teams, 
I've come around to the idea of okay, let's let's go ahead and take Ritter. He's got some rushing upside as well. Um, so I've moved him now ahead of ADP, but I think he's a pretty terrible pick if you're just <laughs> taking him without London yep. or Pitts, right? I mean, maybe you could take him with Bijan, I guess, but it's this now. It's this tricky thing where you know how do how do I communicate that in the rankings? You kind of can't. It's just sort of like. If you're drafting off my rankings, you'll see Ritter at the top. But, I mean, it's really the correlation aspect of this that's so important, where if you were just drafting a fantasy team, you could literally just draft off rankings in in a 12-team league. You would want to factor in ADP enough so that you're not giving up value to the point where you're taking a player in the fifth that you could have gotten easily in the sixth. Right. You don't want to draft off rankings to that point. But outside of that, you could just draft straight off rankings. And and honestly, you there are there are stretches of a draft. I've been in this position before where, you know, the next three players I want all have ADPs in the sixth round. And I'm in the fifth round. So I'm just going to grab one, grab one in the sixth, and hope I can get the third and seventh or something. Mm-hmm. Or even grab one in the fourth, grab one in the fifth, and grab one in the sixth. If I'm in a 12-team league, I think this ADP is absolutely atrocious. I'm on some random site with horrendous ADP. And <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like <laughs> you, you don't you, you don't care about you don't care about it. I mean, DraftKings ADP is is excellent compared to some of these other sites. That's but true. You you don't care about closing line value. It's a 12-team league, you know, so you don't have to worry about all that stuff, and you don't care about the correlation because it's a 12-team league. But in these, like, I mean, you could have, we could, we could pencil in our desired exposure to our entire, to the entire player pool, right? We could sit down and say, I want X percent of Kyle Pitts, X percent of, you know, Rashad Bateman, whatever. You could create a portfolio that accomplishes that. And it's like your perfect portfolio. You could create the same, it's a portfolio with the same percentages on each player. And those teams could be horrendous because they don't have any correlation. You haven't built in, right? It's like mm-hmm. getting your portfolio to the right percentage on each player is not the only thing we're trying to do here. And you, <clears throat> adding on to that, you can get your exposures, right? That's, that's like you said, it's, it's so funny because you can't just do the drafts and say, I'm taking this draft out. I mean, you, you can. You can do whatever the hell you want. But in terms of accomplishing a goal, you can't just... Hop in the draft, right? I enter the draft on my phone and like, oh, they gave me this player. They gave me this player. They gave me that player. Drafting off of ADP in this example and just take whatever take whatever the room gives me. Um, and because then when you flip over the cards, if you did have player takes or strategic takes, you wanted to draft more of a certain structure. You wanted to do this, that, or the other thing. When you flip over the cards in week one, you're not going to have achieved that strategic macro level portfolio goal. Now you may say, I don't have that portfolio go- goal. I'm just going to win every draft, get the best ADP value. And I think that that's also, that's the reason that's fine. Um, but you also can't do the thing, like you said, where I start, I just, I have this portfolio. I want 25% Kyle Pitts. I want 25%, uh, whatever Miles Sanders. I want X percentages of all these guys. And so I'm going to go in and make sure that I'm constantly massaging that and smoothing that out. Because 
it's the draft isn't always going to give, they're not going to be the appropriate pick in every single draft, right? You may get 19% Kyle Pitts because the draft just, right. Just didn't dictate that you get him in the best way possible. Now, again, you, that isn't always correct either. You could just say, I am going to go get, I'm going to get 50% Kyle Pitts. I'm going to reach on him. I don't care, whatever. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying if you're trying to achieve kind of multiple different goals of optimizing your portfolio, you can't just do it one way or the other. And it's really, really freaking hard to balance it. And that is honestly, it's probably one of, one of, if not the biggest struggle that I personally have as a best ball drafter is I have macro level goals and player takes and rankings that say one thing, but then in a draft, oftentimes the things that the draft is telling you to do are in opposition to what that is, right? I don't like the Tampa Bay Bucks. I originally in May or whatever, I kind of told myself that uh, not, I don't mean this for anyone that uh, has this take, uh, but I felt lazy myself making that take saying like, yeah, they're still really good. And the market's going to dunk on right. Godwin and Evans and Rashad white and whatever. And so, you know, look at the Seahawks last year. It was like, look at everybody said the Seahawks would suck. Why can't the Bucks just be the Seahawks? And that was, I hadn't really thought everything through. And that was my take. I'm taking Goblin and I'm taking Evans and I'm taking Rashad White, taking K Dot and whatever. But now, kind of as time has gone on, I've done hundreds of drafts. I kind of don't really care much about the Bucks. But if I'm taking in a room and Rashad White is multiple rounds past ADP, I actually have Rashad White ranked more closely to some of the other players that are multiple rounds after him. If I'm just drafting off ADP, you know, I'm taking Rashad White. If I'm just drafting off of my ranks, I may not actually still take Rashad White. So those things are in direct opposition to each other. Mike Evans is a big example of that. Chris Godwin now, especially as he's been the one that's kind of risen on underdog specifically for the Tampa Bay Bucks. I don't really take him anymore. Again, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's my specific player take. You could say I love the Bucks, and that's fine. But they're in direct opposition to to one another, right? If God, he never falls anymore, by the way, Chris Godwin. I've seen him fall a little bit. I think he's, See, he, he's sort of – he came up into the early fifth, and now he's sort of more on the five-six turn. Maybe it's coming. It's coming, but Deontay's really coming up. Deontay's so coming. He's screaming up. I mean, he's Deontay's going to be in the fourth – Deontay's going to be in that fourth what, round. What group. happened? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't even take him anymore. Because he was like a late sixth-round pick like a month ago. It was amazing. He was in that like more like the Gabe Davis, Tony, Jahan Dotson area of the draft. At, you could easily like double tap Deontay and Pickens if you wanted there. You know, you could get the fun Seattle and Deontay pairings for weeks. I'm at nine percent, but I didn't know. I mean, I'd be at twenty percent if I knew it was gonna be at the opposite turn. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna be in the forties soon. I feel like, yeah. um, which is which is whatever. I, I I'm not trying to be pro Deontay or or uh, against Deontay here. But there's another example of like, I actually had him ahead of ADP before. Another variable of factoring in ADP is like ADP is ever changing, right? right? And ADP we're trying to predict your- which guys are going to rise in value. That the, the one that I find, I find the Deontay one kind of confounding because I'm like, nothing changed. <laughs> and, and Literally yet, nothing. You, and I guess probably what changed is that some influential people pointed out that Deontay Johnson gets open very easily and has for years and you know will continue to do so this year and who cares if he didn't score any touchdowns last year and, and i am def- paid attention to that yeah and i am definitely not influential but f- funnily enough one of my 
<clears throat> I don't really I'm I'm stop I've stopped posting on Twitter for like actual fantasy content and stuff. It's just promotional now. But uh when I was still kind of earlier in the summer, I was I, I was pro Deontay at his old at his old cost. Mm-hmm. And I I it was just like a couple basic tweet thread or whatever that was like, you know, in 2021, Deontay scored like seven or eight touchdowns or something like that. And I believe his volume was actually lower. Like his role in the offense was lower. His air yards were lower. Everything was worse in 2021. He just scored touchdowns. And then in 2022, he's actually an absolute target dominator. He gets open at an elite rate. We can, you know, haggle about exactly how valuable it is getting open two yards from the, from the line of scrimmage, which is kind of what he does and, and being yeah. 5'10", blah, blah, blah. But well, he, he plays outside. That's the other thing I with know. Deontay. Like he, he's not a slot receiver. People sometimes act like he is. He's not. He, I mean, he does. He doesn't get open only a few yards downfield, but at least it's on the outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's more room to create yards, at least when you get open. If right. you're getting three yards open outside the numbers versus three yards, three yards open yeah. in the slot, like you're by all the linebackers and the the, the nickelbacks right. and right. the safeties and stuff. There's nowhere to go. But point being, it was. It's just funny because again, with this ADP thing, I was just like, I don't know. This seems kind of silly that Deontay went kind of so maybe this will be appropriate Deontay went fourth fifth round or give or take last year um and he was a, a pretty reasonable pick in that range and now we went despite wide receivers rising up despite Kenny Pickett being in the second year despite them really adding no target competition unless you think Allen Robinson's gonna undertaker dot gif uh which spoiler alert he's not like nothing has changed maybe it's gotten better for Deontay and People were like, oh, that does make a lot of sense. I love Deontay, whatever. And it's been slow till recently, but he's just skyrocketed up. And so, again, I had him ranked ahead of ADP. I was taking him back then. But, like, no matter when you took him in May, you got ADP value, you know, or closing line value. For sure. Basically. And so that's another thing you have to weigh when you get into the draft, right? Like, you can get ADP. If you got – I'm trying to think of somebody who's really, really fallen, right? Um I can't off the top of my head think of necessarily anybody. I mean, Goddard's fallen. Goddard. So Goddard falls, right? You took Goddard and you, uh, you, you liked Goddard in May. You took Goddard at pick 72 or what? I'm just making something up. Uh, he's going around pick, pick 72. You took him, you know, in the late seventies or something. You're like, boom, he was there, got ADP value or whatever. Yeah. And if you're then, grabbing six round Goddard, I mean, Goddard's coming back around. I, we saw eighth round Goddard last night in a best ball mania. Um, and you Wall, can regularly think, I, I get think, him. I think Waller might pass him. I think Waller might pass might pass wow. Goddard. Um, but really so again, that's Robert. that's that's. But so that you have to weigh all of these things, right? This this ends up being kind of a theme of a lot of the shows that we do. But because it's important, is we want to talk about rankings versus ADP because it's really important. But a lot of the times, there's like five other variables that have to come in. And in this specific example, is like, yeah, you might get ADP value at the draft. But if the guy falls two rounds, did you really get ADP value? No. And so in that case, if you had him ranked lower, right? So Goddard falls to, again, making this up as an example, Goddard from May to August falls two rounds. You had him beyond ADP when you were in a draft in May. You were like, he's not the best player on my board when I'm on the pick, when I'm on the clock here in sixth, early seventh or whatever. But then he falls and you say, okay, now he's an ADP value. So I'm going to take him. Was that right or wrong? Because in August, 
he's actually still not an ADP value where you got him then. He was an ADP value in your draft, right? And it's like, how do you, in an actual practical sense, go into a draft and say, I need to, I need to, to do this. You're never going to be perfectly right, but you do need to be thinking about these things, right? Like, yeah. oh, here's a fall. Here's a faller, a later, a later faller, Jalen Hyatt, who I'm now taking a lot. It's a good one. I'm now taking a lot. He was really expensive, especially relative to now what he was. And I kind of like him, but I didn't really like him at pick. I hated him before. I thought he was one of the worst values on the board, like legitimately one of the worst picks on the board. Also, Josh Downs. I thought Josh Downs Downs, and Hyatt were both two of the worst picks on the board. You can get Cedric Tillman is completely free. Okay. He's a third round pick. Jalen Hyatt and Josh Downs were going as like 14th rounders because we thought they might be first round picks. Right. And then they weren't. And then they still went in the 14th round. Mm -hmm. But it's like, why? Okay. I've got a big body deep threat on the Browns. Who's completely free. And I've got Jalen Hyatt. Who's a little deep threat on the giants who like his path to snaps is sort of, it's not equally murky because it's so, it's so hard to predict what the giants are going to do that there's a chance that, Hyatt's just like the guy, um, whereas Tillman's obviously not just the guy. But it's a, it's still like, is he really even going to play that much as a rookie? He might not. I mean, nope. This is a coaching not. staff that didn't really play Gabe Davis much as a rookie, um, and obviously he's you know he's not emerged into a star, but I mean he's been a big hit for a team as a day three guy. Absolutely. Uh, so it would not surprise me at all if Hyatt was essentially registered, especially because he was pretty raw and he's a three-year player, one productive season, gimmicky offense, basically did one thing. He ran out of the slot. He did deep, deep shots out of the slot is like his whole thing. Uh, wouldn't shock me at all if he barely played. So I was like, I'm not taking this dude. However, now that he's free, <laughs> I take him a fair amount. He's so it undrafted. is drafted. He's gone undrafted yeah. sometimes in drafts now. Yeah. I'm at like 7% now and I'm way overweight on downs. Who's become free. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, downs is playing downs is playing out of the slot. Now he's, he's a slot receiver for an incredibly inaccurate quarterback <laughs> on short routes. So that's not ideal, <laughs> but like, what if downs, what if downs is not a underneath guy? What if he's stretching the, the defense a little bit? Mm-hmm. Cause that's one of the things they talk about with downs is like, he's actually a great contested catch player, even though he's small, he can maybe be a little bit more dynamic out of the slot than you might think. So I've actually now started kind of hammering downs now that he's free. So that's when these players shift in value. I kind of think like it's almost like their archetype changes, you know, like when I like that Jalen Jalen Hyatt's in round 13 or 14. You're asking him to be a somewhat productive player for you over the course of the season. When he's in round 18, you're asking him to show up once for you in the fantasy playoffs once if he shows up in week 15, 16 or 17, it was an amazing pick, you know, in a, in a meaningful way where he, where Mm -hmm. he helps you get through one of those rounds or contributes to your week 17 lineup. Then it's like, it's a smash. So you have to think through, can Josh Downs or Jalen Hyatt really help me advance this team? Like, no, no, they can't really. But they definitely, as rookie wide receivers, who could be very good, we don't know, who mm-hmm. did get drafted on day two, they definitely could contribute a single spike week for you in the fantasy playoffs. And 
with the wide range of outcomes that that exist, like you said, the difference, it seems like, oh, we get into the double digit rounds, who who cares? And I will say, uh, not specific to those guys, but at wide receiver, when you do get into the 12th, 13th, 14th round of these drafts on underdog again, specifically, you tell me which guy's going to be <laughs> real, really good. We call it, the, I like to call it the juju zone. Once we get, we get, we cross the Bateman line, we cross the Bateman line and we get into the juju zone. It's like, I, dude, I don't know. These guys all suck like really bad. But to that point, there's, there's opportunity cost at taking a player, any player there, right? At least I know Juju's going to play. There's opportunity cost taking a player there because there are still good quarterbacks available. There are, and Good running backs. depending upon depending upon what you think about you know tight ends Chig Fryermuth, uh, uh, Njoku, uh, Schultz. Schultz, Kincaid, all those kind of guys, and the running backs there are by far my favorite. It's probably my favorite pocket of the draft at, outside of the top five, I guess. It's my favorite pocket of the entire draft. Those running backs in rounds nine through twelve or thirteen, and it's a because, consistently fertile area for the position. Yes, yeah. For years and years and years. And now the quality of that player is even better than it has ever been before. That is in that is in that that range of the draft because running backs as a whole have gotten right. cheaper, right? You're getting right. the I'm I'm making this up. You're getting the RB 35 in round 11, as opposed to the RB 35 was like a freaking seventh round pick five years ago. You know, right. so it's it's right. very, very different. <clears throat> so taking that player. And again, if you took Jalen Hyatt in May at pick 140 or whatever, you could have got him as an ADP value. You could have got him at pick 160. You could have got him at pick 180 back then. And you posted that shit to, to, to Twitter and you said, look at all this ADP value that I just got. I got Jalen Hyatt 40 picks past ADP. I got this guy 30 picks past ADP downs, right? I took downs and I took Hyatt and I got crazy value on him. And then we get to this point where you and I are talking right now. And guess what? You overpaid for those players because they have fallen by that much. And so I had um, Hyatt and Downs ranked w- way below ADP back then, but above this current ADP. Mm-hmm. And so I mm-hmm. needed to, but I needed to know that and I needed to use that as well as kind of industry sentiment, talking to you, listening to other people and saying like, I think I'm going to be able to get a better price on these guys. You're not always going to be right about that, but I think I'm going to be able to get a better price on these guys because of where I have them ranked, I don't need to take them here, even if they fall, right? Even if the, I get to the, I get on the clock in the 15th round and Jalen Hyatt is past ADP, I still don't need to take him because right. my rankings and my also general intuition of the industry, my rankings say this is still not a good pick. There is a better pick on the board, despite what ADP is telling me. And you have to treat that differently for every single player, but it's really really important because we can fall into we can fall into both sides of it like you said i can fall into the rankings and i get to the seventh round and i say i don't know i love rashad penny he's my best player on the board in the seventh round i'm taking him well you probably could have got him in the 11th or the 10th and so you could have got a a player the who you do have ranked in the seventh round who goes in the seventh round and take him there and then take penny in the 10th right make sure you get him and then on the flip side with hyatt you say oh he's a crazy ADP faller, but he's still not a good pick to me. Yeah. And, and you have to be able to weigh both of those things. Yeah. And it's almost kind of like, it is sort of an archetype thing in terms of the way I value the the players, right? So like certain players where at this, at the general price that they're at, I, I'm essentially like not taking, like I'm not taking Delvin cook right now. 
Like, I think he's yeah. washed. I think he's going to most likely end up like I guess if he if he lands on the Dolphins, I'll I'll probably feel like ah, I should have taken a, a little bit. But like guy who I think is washed who like might land in a committee on the Dolphins doesn't seem like a, a pick that I want to make very often. No. I'll I'll like play catch up a little bit if I need to. But I I think like if he lands on the Jets, like I think he's a bad pick, like at this ADP. I mean, he's not think about his late season upside, you know, and how much is he if he's washed, how much is he even contributing early in the season? And then down the stretch, like when Brees Hall and, you know, I'm very bullish on Brees Hall. But from what I understand from the medical community, like he's expected to be at full health, you know, down the stretch, Mm -hmm. given the clean ACL tear and his recovery. He might be full health week one. Like it, I think it's more likely he's at full health week one than he's what uh, Dobbins of last year, where you just yeah, never really get, where you just never really get the full experience. Me too. Um, but he's my most drafted player, so of course. I think <laughs> yeah. But, but I do think like if Cook, I, I just think that Cook's chances, especially the longer he sits out there, he's not getting the money he wants. The Vikings were very clear they were moving on from him, and every advanced metric last year receiving rushing he was atrocious like he he's i think he's done and he's also got this recurring shoulder thing like how many red flags every other week on an, every other week yeah. he's got a shoulder problem yeah yeah it's like come on and I, so anyway i'm just like i'm not taking dalvin cook like that's just how i feel about it right but if dalvin cook were to fall where's he go now i don't even know because I almost I 90 let's just call it okay. 90 Let's say he were to fall to round 13 in a given draft. Then I'd be like, this is about as late as I've seen Dalvin Cook go. I have zero exposure to Dalvin Cook. (laughs) I'll go ahead and take Dalvin Cook here because, you know, it gives me potentially an amazing ADP value. I now have some upside baked in relative, maybe, maybe not relative to my rank, which would have Dalvin Cook as like a 17th rounder, which mm-hmm. I don't know if that's blasphemy, but that's basically what I think. And the, you know, so it's not necessarily upside relative to my rank, but I'm at a point where the difference between like a 16th, 17th rounder where I might have them versus a 13th, 14th rounder is not that much. It's there's something no. that's not huge. No. And I'm getting potentially a big value on what the rest of the field will have on this guy. So I'm going to go ahead and grab him there. If, and then, you know, if Dalvin Cook, let's say, were to fall to the 16th, 17th round, I, he'd probably be a big target for me because I'm like, because I'm drafting a lot of uh, Leonard Fournette. I have, I've been, I, I'm going to be drafting more Hunt. I don't, I haven't drafted, I'm sort of mad at myself. I haven't drafted enough Kareem Hunt. I'm only at 3% on him. I'm going to, although I'm probably higher if I look at my DraftKings. That's just on underdog. Um, and then, my Ezekiel Elliott, I'm at 5% on. He's the most expensive of those guys. But I'm not ignoring that group. And I'm actually, I've been targeting Fournette um, probably too much. So if he was part of that group, this kind of washed, un, the washed unsigned, which I view him as one of the four washed unsigned. It's a good name. <laughs> That's a good bit. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of it. It sounds like something from like, the walking dead or something like that you know <laughs> yeah. that's what yeah or that's what, be careful don't go out don't, don't leave don't leave the the, the castle or whatever the washed unsigned are out there <laughs> yeah the washed unsigned i mean he's he's one of those guys he, that's the that's the group i have him in you know 
Like, does he definitely have more left than Zeke? I don't know. I mean, both were washed to me. I don't know who who's less washed. I don't know. But, um, you know, if he were part of that group, then I kind, I kind of like taking as a group the washed unsigned because I'm like, I think they will sign, you know, and they might fall into yeah. the end zone. And, and, and I think their prices will rise once they do sign. Right, right. We've seen that happen Julio. a couple times. Yeah, Julio, the Julio, yeah. the Julio, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, so at that point, all of a sudden, this player evaluation, which is very negative, as you can tell, it's like, yeah, but I'm probably now going to get closing line value, and the NFL is a highly variant sport, and you know he can just literally fall into the end zone or end up just in the right situation and be a total smash at at this price. So. Like, I don't, it's not that my opinion on the player changes, but is, is things, is the price changes, it starts to change sort of where a player is, you know, kind of on that spectrum of, you know, archetype. Yeah. So, um, piggybacking on that, because I think it's a perfect kind of segue into the side of things where, okay, I got my rankings, right. And I'm, I'm drafting off my rankings. I've uploaded my rankings into onto underdog or onto DraftKings, and the one one thing i will say that's really nice about DraftKings is you can flip back and forth between adp and uh uh your rankings which is nice to be like to give yourself a sanity check you know to be like okay here's the top player on the board by adp right like so you have let's just say you have dalvin way down right 16th 17th 18th round player in your rankings clearly he's going to be the top player on the board by adp or, or the uh, or he's going to be the you know He's going to be very down, far down the board on your rankings, but he may be the top player on the board by 80. By the way, my rankings would never have him that low because I do adjust for ADP. Yeah, I bake in ADP precisely because I'm trying to like, you know, and this is like you're trying to communicate like 18 things at once with rankings. But it's like, hey, like if Dalvin Cook, even as someone who like if I didn't if ADP didn't exist and I was just in this player pool and I'm just trying to pick these players, like I would be like, well, I'm not going to take Dalvin cook until very late, mm-hmm. but ADP does exist. And I want, if I was with you in that draft and we saw Dalvin cook in the 13th round, I'd be like, I mean, this is a pretty good price. I, I don't <laughs> think we're going to get this very often. Let's just go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the interesting part of the whole, just the whole rankings process you've outlined let's start here it is impossible physically impossible with static rankings to and i don't mean static like you never change them over the summer i mean uh static in a draft right once you upload them you can't change them (laughs) once the draft has started right the ultimate end goal which is something we are definitely uh working on trying to build it's difficult within the uh, framework of what the sites uh can do and or allow but is what i would call dynamic rankings meaning when i draft i've made a couple of picks my ranking should be changed right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. changing just like your in in dfs your exposure your exposure to players changes based on what you're doing with the rest of that lineup right if i'm playing patrick mahomes and travis kelsey my exposure on all the other players on those rosters are going to be drastically different from a sam howell and logan thomas team you know what i mean it's going to be a salary constraints but be the types of players you want around them etc etc so you would have dynamic rankings that say you just took christian mccaffrey in the first round and then you took chris olave and then you took uh lamar jackson right so what 
should your ranking players should be moving up and down, right? Obviously, Bateman and Zay Flowers are going to be moving up. Odell's probably going to be moving up. Um, but maybe Debo Samuel's moving down, right? Because you took Christian. I'm not saying that he should or shouldn't, but I'm saying depending upon how you decide it, you say maybe Debo is a negative correlation, you know, particularly at the ceilings with Christian McCaffrey. I want to move him down. Uh, maybe I want to move Brock Purdy up. Maybe I want to move Derek Carr up. Maybe I want to move right Jamal Williams down because Jamal Williams takes away from Chris Olave, et cetera, et cetera. Those kind of things should be happening, but we have to do them <laughs> in our brains. And we have to do these things like everything that you just outlined in your brain as well. Using the Dalvin Cook example, you don't have him very high. And even in that 13th round, he's not a quote unquote value by your rankings. Well, but here's the, here's the yes thing, and sorry, no. But- yes and no. Your yeah. raw rankings on ADP adjusted if you like you said you said I well, I'm looking at my raw rankings players. on ADP adjusted and I'd have him much higher than that but it's it's because there's this other thing we're trying to do which is play the closing line value game and play the and market so, right and, and play and the market also, you, you also have to be sorry and then I'll let you go you have to be a little bit humble as well from a rankings perspective I I would never go out and say I 100% know better about every single player in this player exactly pool. Exactly. I know. I think I know better about a handful, right? I'm going to go to war over a handful of players this entire season, right? Everybody, everybody's different on, on that. But I, I mean, dude, like if the market says Dalvin cook costs this price, I think it's absurd. But then when I get a certain level of value on him, I can say, okay, as you said, he falls, he's, he's going to pick 89 right now. Shout out to me for knowing that he was going at pick. That's disgusting that he was going uh, at pick 90. he, falls to the 13th or 14th round. I can be humble enough to say, I really don't want Dalvin cook on my teams, but there is of course a scenario in which he's a very good 13th, 14th round pick setting aside the the closing line value and the ADP value and all of that. Now, when you combine that, you combine the closing line value and the ADP value with kind of this humbleness that maybe the market is a little bit more right than I am. I don't know everything about Dalvin cook. You know, the NFL doesn't know everything about Dalvin Cook right now. How could I possibly know it? So you have to weigh all these different things when you're on the clock, but that's what makes it hard, right? It's because you yeah. do have to do that assessment. And I also like, so as, as someone making rankings, like I'm doing this thing, right, where I go, what would I do if I was on the board or if I was on the, on the clock, right? And so I have Dalvin Cook at 95 in the pure rank. I wouldn't take him there, but – that's because I feel extremely strongly that he is one of the washed unsigned. And that's, but that's a very, that's a player take that I have that not everyone that I trust has and not certainly what the market believes. Mm-hmm. So then I have to think, okay, what's the most prudent course of action though? The most prudent course of action is probably to think through. What is going to happen if Dallin Cook signs with the Jets, the Dolphins, or the Patriots to his price? And I think with the Jets or the Dolphins, his price will rise. Definitely the Dolphins, because that's what everybody's been foaming at the mouth over for sure for multiple months now. Right. People have been saying, what if Dolph, you know, it's like that's been the that's been the case with the washed unsigned for every other running back is what you know, can't draft Pollard. What if Zeke comes back? Can't draft whoever what if you know can't draft Jerome Ford what if they bring Hunt back can't do this blah 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 but the Dolphins one has been just like 
the ringing rumor for such a long time that I think people will not be able to help themselves. Patriots, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about, Patriots, I don't know about Patriots, Patriots will fall. Patriots will fall. Yeah. fall. Jets, I think he would rise a little bit because you're going to get the – oh, this this is a signal that Brees Hall isn't ready. Mm-hmm. They're going for it. Doubt they've decided – They've decided they need to win this year. They're bringing in Dalvin to make sure that happens. I think that narrative stuff. And so if you – like I'm comfortable with a 0% Dalvin Cook portfolio this year, and unless the prices change dramatically. I am. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to like force that upon an entire right. group of people. You know, That's like a pretty radical position to take on the player pool uh, with a player who's going inside the top 90 picks. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm trying to think like, OK, what if I didn't have that? What if I didn't? Because that could be a bias. Honestly, it could be a bias. Mm-hmm. Right. I could be wrong. So what if I didn't have that take and I'm just trying to play the close online value game? Then, you know, where should you be taking Dalvin? And you could argue that you should be mixing him in at ADP right now because in most scenarios, he'll rise. Yeah. So then I'm going, well, but he's bad. So I'm going to, so he's going to be below ADP for me, but maybe not drastically below ADP. I'm tempted to lower him now as we're talking, but he's, you know, it's, it's like you're trying to balance all of those things as even trying to put the rankings out because a lot of stuff goes, goes into this where, you know, I'm trying to help people create the best portfolios that they can that don't necessarily reflect every single one of my like, extreme stances on on specific players that that's i mentioned applying this in drafts this kind of concept we're talking about here being one of my biggest struggles from a uh, site provider perspective from a tout perspective or whatever 100 creating the ranks and figuring out how to appropriately price the rad like like i said i just lowered him to 99 i actually <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I, uh, I'm also going to lower him after we get off off, off, <laughs> off here. But how to right? So I, I've made it known we don't have to do the the, the howl thing or whatever because you've just capitulated to uh, howl. So we're going to clip that and I, we don't have to talk. Didn't about capitulate it to howl. Capitulated to yeah, whatever you backhanded. Uh, it was it was a backhanded compliment to howl. You wouldn't admit it, it, but yeah, it, but it was still. Te- I'm still calling it a compliment. But so like Damian Harris, right? And technically Rashad Penny. Those are my two like pet picks in that running back range i have them way i have them like if i my raw unadjusted ranks they're way above there um etc etc uh jk dobbins like it's all running backs apparently um probably because everybody's ruined the wide receiver pricing like you find me the wide receiver that's like a fucking screaming value (laughs) everybody is really expensive so i end up having these kind of radical takes on running backs on both on both sides but where like how much because i don't just want to create a a total adp adjustment for every single player right it shouldn't be the same theoretically for every single player you could do that and make it easier but like i want it to be like you said actionable for everyone and we're talking about this because we're providing rankings that that people can use you know publicly and or pay for but this is what people should do on their own as well right you say i don't want to use pat i I listen to pat and eric but i want to then go build my own rankings Right. Right. And I love and I love J.K. Dobbins, but like I don't want to take J.K. Dobbins in the early third round when he goes in the fifth. Where do I put him? Right. Where do I put him? And piggybacking into this rankings versus ADP, where do I take him? Because if I have this player who I am way above market on, right, I love J.K. Dobbins. Love him. 
I think he's, I think he should be in the, I'm again, making this up. I think he should be right behind Brees. He's my next favorite running back behind Brees. I think he is for me actually, but it, I should, he should be a late third round pick, but he goes in the fifth. I, clearly I want to be overweight JK Dobbins, right? With that premise in mind. But then where do I take him? Because I, I don't always want, right? I want to be, I want to have 25, 30% J.K. Dobbins in my portfolio. But if I just wait to take him at ADP, I'm I might get a little overweight, but I'm not it's I'm not then I'm not capitalizing on this edge that I have. So when do you how do you handle those players who you have these radical takes on? We we just discussed the one end of it with Dalvin. Right. I think this guy's washed. He sucks. I don't I'm fine having zero percent. But here's the scenario in which I would take him. What about the opposite end that says, I fucking love this guy. He's I want to have right. Brees Hall is my favorite player. I want to have him. It's a little tougher with the, the super early pick. But, you know, when you get into a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick that I want to take a huge stand on. When do I take him? What, how far is too far of a reach? Right. When do I reach? When do I push it? You know, that's that that's that's probably harder even than the the Dalvin yeah. example. Yeah. So the Brees Hall one is a really good one. I so in the rankings and kind of how I've been playing it, you know, has lined up, at, you know, basically I wouldn't say necessarily one for one, but very close. Where, you know, early on I had him very high in the rankings, kind of around the two three turn in kind of my pure rankings um, before ADP had a, had a little bit of say. Um, and I, I would be comfortable taking him there uh, a fair amount and absolutely hammering him in the mid third, you know, scooping him with, with pure bliss in the late third. Um, <laughs> but, you know, now we've got the potential for Dalvin Cook to go there. And while I don't really think that that impacts his late season outlook in a huge way, it certainly dings it. Even the late season outlook, it dings it. But, and it, it does probably meaningfully impact what he's going to do early in the season. Mm-hmm. So it changes the archetype of bet a little bit. It's more of like, it's closer to a rookie type of bet, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's like more like Jonathan Taylor in his rookie season or something where you're betting. Yeah. He kind of comes yeah. on down the stretch and, and takes like things that. back. Uh, so that's a bet I'm still comfortable making in the late third, actually. But, it's not a bet where now I want to be taking him over Mark Andrews every time who I love or taking him over Josh Jacobs, Ronnie Stevenson, Derek Henry, you know, who every I think time. Are every time. Right. Yeah. I don't want to be underweight those guys. And Hall is going to, if you take him every time, you're going to end up underweight those guys. Lamar Jackson, who I think is a really nice third round value relative mm-hmm. to the other quarterbacks. Um, so I'm sort of trying to weigh that I'm still ahead of ADP on, Brees Hall, but just barely now. I've got him at 30, um, and the the ADP is at 31 and a half now. So now I'm saying, let's wait. Let's take our late third round Brees. Let's still grab him there, and this is what I'm doing. Let's still grab him there, although I did take him at the 2-3 turn yesterday, but I am sick. But generally, I'm taking him only in the late third. I'm, I passed on him at the 311 as well because I had Mark Andrews on a Jalen Waddle or Mark Andrews was there and I had a Jalen Waddle team and I was like Andrews and Brees were there at, at 311. Yeah. God, yeah. Jesus. So I grabbed Andrews. It hurt. I really wanted that 311 Brees. And then I was but I was like, <laughs> Brees is actually the more likely to come back to me at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. So, Andrews yeah almost assuredly wasn't coming back to wasn't me. coming back. So I he didn't come back, but whatever. I, I made the so 
I mean, that, and that's sort of the funny thing about drafting too, right? It's like I took Brees probably on the same day. I took Brees at the 301 and passed on at the 311. So these things can, you know, you're kind of always yep. sort of shifting what you're doing, breaking ties there because I had Waddle and, you know, I want it. And on the other one, I, I took Jefferson and Olave and I was like, I'm going, I'm, I'm adding Brees to this. This thing's, right. this thing's taking there, us down anyway. So there was no Brees. other part of the decision-making process that would have elevated anyone else over Brees at that. And in fact, um, you said Jefferson Olave. Jefferson Olave. Yeah. You want to talk about a unique combination of players. Jefferson Olave is like, no, I'm not saying crazy unique, but I'm just looking really quickly at the, the ADP. Like Olave doesn't generally fall all the way back to the, to 23 right? His AVP is 19. So him with Jefferson is already slightly unique, but then you take that and you pull Brees up who doesn't generally go with the two, three turn right ahead of all the other running backs ahead of the quarterbacks, et cetera. The next thing you know, right? That would actually make Brees a better pick at the three Oh one than he was at the three eleven or the three ten or whatever, you right. say, which is like you said, it's a very funky thing, but it's true. Yeah. That's kind of how I was thinking through it. Plus I'm, there's just certain times where I'm just, I, I dropped on my phone. Um, and I'm listening to my gut sometimes. I'm just like, man, yeah. Breeze, Breeze is a really fun way to start with this Jefferson Olave start. Whereas Andrews is the more fun approach when you, I think it was Adams, Waddle, and then you grab you grab Andrews mm-hmm. there. Um, but I'm trying to, like, my thing with Breeze is that I'm trying in the rankings to stay ahead of ADP on him right now but and and i've been ahead of adp the whole time but now he's he has changed in that same kind of player archetype thing i was talking about he has changed from absolute smash you know priority target to i still strongly believe in the player profile but there is a a risk that we need to be baking in here Mm -hmm. risk that his adp could fall significantly Right. Like, and, and an opera that creates an opportunity. So if you have, you know, if, if he were to fall to the fifth round, would you rather have to that point, 20% breeze or 10% breeze? Like, even if you really believe in the player, you'd still rather have only 10% breeze. Cause now you're going to get fifth round breeze and, and you you're going to take him every time. Yeah. yeah. You can get a massive percentage at a much yeah. cheaper cost and much cheaper cost. So now, you know, so that's the thing where I'm, I'm still ahead of ADP on breeze, but just barely. And, you know, I think given the way ADP falls right now, is there that big of a difference between 311 and 501? Like, they're really, I, no, they're really, sometimes I take, sometimes I take the guys that go around 501 at 311 because whether it's like a unique combination or it sets up better for this structure, or I'm trying to take two guys that go around the four or five turn, I want to, I want, you know, I want to have them both on the same team. Yeah. It is a very weird part of, part of the draft that it's hard to articulate this particular yeah. conversation because Amari Cooper to me versus Drake London, it, I don't see a difference. I actually probably prefer Drake London, right? Uh, Jerry Judy versus Keenan Allen versus Mike Williams versus whatever. I don't ETN versus Najee versus Ken Walker versus Dobbins. Like I, they, all these guys, it's just one gigantic tier. So it is definitely a tougher part in that, but that's also important, right? That's also important. Like it, if you wanted to say it's very important. Nope. I know, but, especially like use the Brees example. If Brees falls into that group, the post, the after Lamar and Andrews and after all the other running backs where we get into this ginormous flat tier of wide receivers, dead zone running backs, and that the next tier of quarterbacks, Burrow, Fields, uh, Herbert. If you wanted to say, uh, yeah, I'm just going to take 
Brees because he's my 30th overall player and I'm going to keep getting him in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, just do, just just take him there, right there. I don't give a shit about ADP. I don't give a shit if he's going at 48th overall now when I'm on the clock at 41 because he's my best player. My rankings, he's going to always be the top player on the board in the 40s. So I'm just taking Brees Hall and that's what I want to do. But then, you know, that, that doesn't exist for every single player. It also doesn't exist for every single pocket of the draft. Like it's sometimes you'll get to the seventh and you're like, mm, I have Bateman over Gabe Davis, but Gabe Davis over the other players that go around Bateman. So I'll take Gabe here and see if I can get Bateman at ADP because if I take Bateman, Gabe's not going to fall back to me and I'm not going to like my eighth round pick or whatever. It's like every one of those situations is just a little bit different in the ranks versus ADP discussion. Yeah. I'll I'll also say like the, the Brees thing, I generally, and this might be kind of a personality trait of mine, but I generally do like to take player stands. I think it's fun. You know, it just it creates kind mm-hmm. of a fun feeling. It's a good mm-hmm. I, it gives me a good lucky feeling when I take a big player stand. But the thing about it is because it's fun, I'm probably inclined to do it too often. And so I, what I would say is like and I also think there's something to the thing of like when you take a player enough times, they become to feel they, they start to feel safe. This is definitely right? true. This is 100% like you, true. You you know you sort of convinced yourself that this player is a good pick. And so there's sort of safety in picking them again because you don't have to make any of those uncertain picks. You can pick a guy who you definitely know is a good pick. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of end up landing on that guy again and again and again. And this is why I think it's very helpful to like review your exposures and stuff because you can go, hmm, I'm drafting this player like he's one of the best values on the board. Like, do I think that? And I will sometimes be like, no, I actually don't. I don't think that he's one of the key edges that I have this year, you know? And and so like with Brees, for example, I do. I think he's one of the key edges. I think he's one of the best opportunities that we're going to get for a young player who flashed to the level that he flashed, who was a second round pick, who was a very good prospect, underrated prospect. Um, showed receiving ability, showed breakaway ability, has size, offense is about to improve a lot. Like if they don't sign Dalvin, I think he's an he's gonna go in the first round next year. Yeah, he's he he could be like the 102 next year, like no Mm -hmm. question. Like Mm -hmm. he has that level of upside. So I'm I'm gonna do like I but I keep but I do keep checking in, like okay, hang on, hang on, because you're getting are you getting carried away? Are you getting carried away? Because I I know that I can get carried away with that stuff, but I, it's not just with him. Like I kind of, I need to kind of check in with, with all these guys. And I think as you kind of go through the rankings ADP thing, like there's a temptation, I think to just maybe ignore the ADP value or ignore the guy who you don't tend to take, who has fallen now past ADP. Cause you'd rather just take the guy who you kind of have like knighted as a league winner but maybe mostly just because, like, you you took him a, enough times. <laughs> like, maybe it's nothing more than, like, this is a guy I take. Mm-hmm. And so I think revisiting those takes, like, how confident are you in this, you know, in Khalil Herbert? Like, Khalil Herbert, I have a bunch of. I like Khalil Herbert, but probably not as much as my portfolio says I do. <laughs> right. 
you know, because I just feel comfortable. I need a running back there. I feel pretty comfortable with him. He tends to be available when I need that guy. And I, I don't mind taking the Falcons. So I'm like, oh, he's a bring back on that. You know, I don't mm-hmm. mind taking fields. You know, I, I kind of build this game stack or whatever. But there's two other Chicago running backs. And I think <laughs> both are pretty interesting. So that's yeah. been one where I'm like, hmm. I probably ended up on Herbert, uh, who I'm at 17% on now, but I think I was above 20 at one point. Like, I was like, I don't, I, he's not a 20% player to me. I like him. I definitely want to be overweight, but twice the field's probably fine. I don't need to be absolutely right. smashing Khalil Herbert. He's not, I don't think he's one of the, the key players to the season. And at the time that I was above 20% on Herbert, I was below market on I think Roshan I think I was above on Foreman but now I'm at 11% Foreman and I'm at 9% Roshan so since I checked in on that I've gotten both the other Bears backs above the field probably still want to get those up a little bit probably still want to get Herbert down a little bit so it's not Mm -hmm. like I'm out on Herbert it's just that how confident are you in these in these stand there's a difference between a player that you're at 15 percent on versus a player that you're at 30 percent on there's a big difference in what you're saying there i think uh i love that because i think that is maybe the biggest trap that is most easily fallen into by anyone i don't care how many drafts you've done uh, and in fact it, the more drafts you do you might fall into this more because as you said there is this weird psychological effect of this happens to me in uh, uh, two tiers where I'll call it three tiers of drafts right now. Um, but I'm, I'm, I've improved, I think, as a player over the last three years where I would have really just jumped right into this bear trap before. Uh, no pun intended on the bears reference. But the uh, <laughs> well but that, yeah, that was uh, Jesus. And it's way too early for me. I haven't had coffee yet for me to be <laughs> dropping unintentional uh bears references but so from uh, the amari cooper zone down to again whatever wide receiver brandon Ayuk or soon to be deontay johnson uh in that little pot from the late third to the early fifth the wide receivers there like honestly they are all the goddamn same to me like i have a i i prefer a little bit of certain guys um some some guys go better with some stacking things some guys go better with some correlation things but I've told myself this specific pocket of the draft is not my edge at all. I'm not saying I want to have 8% of everyone, but I'm also not saying I want to have 25% of one and 2% of the other. I did, however, start to fall into that. Uh, a, I wasn't setting up a lot of charger stacks. I forced myself to do a little bit of like, let's take Keenan and Mike well early and try to mm-hmm. get Herbert later. But I just did that a couple That's of times. That's getting harder. Yeah, it's harder. And I did that a couple of times. And now, like, you know, I, I don't really like Amari that much. And so, like, I take, I, 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 I've taken him a couple of times, but then I also end up with, well, Amari's only on these Garrett Wilson teams or only on these Brees teams. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I have like 2% Amari and it's all, every team he's on has Brees on it or whatever. And it's like, I'm not saying that you don't want I that, think that's but okay personally. But I'm, but... Yeah, but I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong. But I'm also not saying it's like you have to do this. You know what I mean? It's like theoretically, if I do want him on one of the Jets superstar teams, I probably want to split it between Wilson and and Brees or a little more Brees and a couple right, of Wilson, right, whatever. Right. But there, there should be a, a method to the madness. For and sure. you just get into these tiers 
And once, right, I, I, I draft on desktop and I draft on my phone. I mean, I'm a fucking human being. I draft, you know, I sit outside and draft or I sit on my couch or, or sit on the toilet and draft like everybody else does. And you just fall into uh, the last two times I took Drake London. And you would think intuitively you would say, well, you just kept taking Drake London and you don't really have a preference between these guys. But what happens in your brain is the next time you come up and you're like, ooh, Drake London. Yeah, Right. Drake, Drake London's London, a guy yeah. I take. Yeah, I, I take I, I I prefer and I might actually I probably do prefer Drake London here, but I've told myself I don't prefer him that much, like maybe 14 percent Drake London and six percent Mike Williams or something like that. But instead, it's one percent and 20 percent is what it ends right, up right, happening. Right. right? Um, and you're Khalil Herbert example in that tier. I like Damian Harris and Rashad Penny. I like all these guys, I guess. So this is maybe not the exact best best example, but I do. I don't hate Khalil Herbert, but I have like nine percent Khalil Herbert and a billion percent of like Damian Harris and Penny. And then mm-hmm. Warren goes mm-hmm. a little goes a little bit later, but he's risen up a lot in Herbert, a and he's yeah exactly. And I do think those guys are edges to the extent of I like them better, right? So again. 16 or maybe even 20% those guys and a little bit lighter on Herbert at at 9%. But it's always like, I don't have really uh, much Brian Robinson and that is, I I don't love Brian Robinson. I kind of like the guy, a a couple guys more than him, but a, I draft a lot of zero and hero running back teams. So he's a great fit for those. Yeah. I have a lot of Brian Robinson because he fits my builds. Right. He, but this is, this was me falling into that trap. I, me, I get to this zone and I prefer Penny and Dame and, and maybe Herbert and it used to be Antonio Gibson. Now Gibson has passed. Him I know. In eight in ADP. But again, I was taking Gibson when he was going in the one twenties. Now I don't take him anymore, but like Brian Robinson has always just been the guy who I, there's no real reason why I don't have like any Brian Robinson. It just happens because I get to that tier and I'm like, okay, I'm building out this zero running back team. Maybe I have, uh, you know, maybe I have Ramondre or no, not Ramondre. Maybe I have whatever London. We'll use London. I have London. So Herbert makes more sense on this team. Right. Right. With, with Brian Robinson, it's, I love the 49ers. It's a little difficult to get them because all three of them go in the first five or six, six rounds. I don't have a 49er. Also, you know, I don't have, he's not that appealing as a bring back to the 49ers who are so good no, against the run because he's an, and even if something happens and they're not that good against the run he's just this grinder right he, yeah he, brian robinson is not you you can't envision brian robinson ripping off a couple 70 yard t- touchdowns no, like that's I can, not uh, khalil herbert you know that's what he does right his rip off long runs he's a really impressive runner blah 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 i could i can envision rashad penny dominating he did it on the seahawks could he do it on the eagles absolutely i can envision blah 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 right uh naji being dust and or hurt and jalen warren being the workhorse for the steelers in week 17 that seems pretty good to me it's but the whole point was i don't there's i have no reason zero percent brian robinson is not something i went in and i said this is an edge right it's also not even really in my rankings he's right there amongst right, all those right. other guys but it intuitively happens just because of the kind of the human psychology of the whole thing yeah there's almost like i've said i've talked about this before but it, it is like there's almost like a like a face blindness type of thing that happens where like you, you can't even see the names of the guys you don't draft like yeah. i've been on i've been in a situation where like you know you, you're multi-tabling or kind of zoned out for a second you're like oh crap i'm on the clock like i only have 17 seconds instead of the full 30 mm-hmm. and like i forgot what i was doing 
you know, I forgot like kind of what the next pick was supposed to be. And I'm like, look, I'm like, there's no one here. Like, there's like, no, I'm like not even seeing anyone because it's a bunch of guys who I don't tend to take. Mm-hmm. And on DraftKings, I've noticed that'll happen to me. And then I'll flip from ADP to rankings. And I'm like, oh, there's lots of guys here because <laughs> it's all now I've seen who I like. And I'm like, oh, I can, I have a ton of options. But, you know, that effect, I think we're, we should be battling that effect to an extent because we're not going to be that accurate. That's a level of accuracy that you simply won't have yep. with, with the player pool to be that dialed in to in every single round, you know, all the players to take and all the players to avoid. Like this is a surprising game. So that's where I think, you know, forcing yourself to take the ADP value. And I primarily do like to draft off of ADP. Because I want to see Same. who's the guy who's dropping, you know, way past ADP, who maybe I should mix in. And to me, the way I, I'll try to do it is like, you know, I'll take a guy from I'm not drafting this dude at all to I'll draft him correlated. That, that'll be kind of the first way I get a guy in. Mm-hmm. Or I'll draft a guy way, way past ADP. Like Kadarius Tony the other day, he dropped to in the 90s. And oh I God. was... I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get ignited. I got sniped one pick before him. <laughs> but I was like, I was psyched. I was psyched yep. to draft Kadarius Tony. Even though, like, if, if you told me, like, place Kadarius Tony, I'd probably put him in the 90s. I'd say he's a, he's a value in the 90s. But if the market is going to take him all summer in the 70s, at pick and 70, I can, yeah. yeah, and I can get him in, in the mid-90s. Like, I'm going to jump all over that. So he's that type of player to me, where if I can get him, he, you know, even, even correlated, I probably would still prefer to get an ADP discount on him. Like, I, mm-hmm. if I had Mahomes, let's say I gra- grab Mahomes in, like, the 303, I got a nice value on him, I'd probably try to push Tony around the, the 6-7. He's not mm-hmm. the type of player who I'd even take in the 6th in that situation. I'd try to get that seventh round value on him and I'm okay losing out if I don't get him. But that's just how I feel about, about him. But, but I'm not so out on him that I wouldn't take him in the seventh round stacked with Mahomes, right? Like that's, right. I'm trying to, so Odo Beckham's another example. Like I will, if I don't have, he's a good one, Andrews and I don't have both of Bateman and Flowers, I mean, definitely if I don't have either, if I, you know, somehow just have like Lamar and Dobbins, let's say I'm, I'm going to probably take Odell like at ADP at that point, mm-hmm. at that next turn, even um, though you have him ranked farther down from farther ADP down because yeah. of the correlation makes him more yeah. important to this team. If I have Bateman or flowers, then I probably wouldn't take him right there. But if I got an ADP discount on him, I, I would add him to that. So it, you know, he's a player where I'm like, I could be wrong on Odell. He could be healthy. He could be back to, to what he was with the Rams. He's not going to be back to what he was early in his career. But even with the Rams, he still had something left before he tore the ACL. Mm-hmm. So, okay. You know, I'll, I'll take Odell a little bit here and there. But it's going to be correlated. That's how I'm going to get kind of started with my Odell exposure. But I also think, like, that helps you expand your player pool. Like, that's how I got started with Quentin Johnston. You know, but now I'm like, I'll take Quentin Johnston just on his own sometimes not a ton but sometimes or i'll take him as a bring back on an unstacked judy mm-hmm. you know i don't have herbert that's how i got started with quentin johnston 
But I'm like, you know, I yeah, kind of like Quentin Johnson where his price now more than I would have if I just like didn't bother to take him. Say Flowers, I'm not quite there yet with him because I think he's a bit overpriced, but I think I'll probably get there where I'm like, you know, maybe I can take Zay Flowers as a bring back on Waddle. I don't have Lamar. And then I'll, you know, try to mm-hmm. make this a, a Waddle to a Flowers thing. Like that's, that's probably where I'm headed with Flowers. But I, but I got there because I was taking, I wasn't taking him at all. And then I was like, I need to, why do I have 0% Zay Flowers? That's dumb. First round pick on an offense I like. Stupid not to have any. So I started taking him with Bateman because they were going right next to each other. So yep. Lamar, yep. Flowers, Bateman, get them both. And then it like allows you to be open-minded. Like taking a guy allows you to be open-minded on a guy. This is the best. This is I'm glad I was going to bring up the stacking element and I was going to ask you the question and you intuitively answered it. So apparently the uh, the smelling of the flowers you did last week has really uh, uh, opened <laughs> really my up emotional the, IQ. This is yes, yeah, 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 exactly. Your emotional IQ is my through EQ the roof IQ. from the San Diego flowers. Maybe I'm going to have to take a trip here before the season comes <laughs> back around. But it, it is. It could not be more spot on. It's a it's a, it's a flowers for Algernon situation. Fla- oh like, Jesus! And we're talking about Zay Flowers. This is the cheesiest fucking episode we've ever done. In like uh, in like another week of New York, I'm going to be a total asshole again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is great. Yeah, I have to take trips to San Diego just to not be a total douchebag for the whole summer. You know, we can have a small break from the New Yorkness of uh, of things, but. Uh, God, there's also good that the Zay Flowers thing was in there too. Uh, but the so a the last episode that we recorded, which was really really good, or the maybe two episodes ago, I can't remember. We talked about just stacking and and in general, and a lot of what the stacking conversation led into was a lot of exactly what you just mentioned. Where a we know, look, if Lamar has a big season passing the big season in general but big season passing the ball probably pretty good for Rashad Bateman and 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 Zay Flowers of course Mark Andrews Odell Beckham we know that we know in a single week right Lamar throws four touchdowns they got to go to somebody we understand the benefits we understand we need to have high weekly scores especially week 17 blah 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 but the very much downstream yet extremely important especially for me part of correlation not just inter-team stacking but correlation, whether it's week 17 or maybe you're playing weekly winners and that could be the correlation of weekly winners is Jesus Christ. You can galaxy brain yourself to death, right? Any single week of the year, uh, uh, you know, you draft the Ravens and you're drafting against anyone that they play over the course of the entire season, et cetera. You're drafting can, you know, all sorts of stuff, but any form of correlation is probably for me, the best, um, you know, kind of fail safe for this trap that we've, we've, we've talked about here. Because if you open your mind up to uh, these correlation ideas and and use them as a lever, you know, or a tool in your toolkit when you're when you're drafting, it is by far the easiest way to not fall into the traps that we don't want to fall into, generally exposure wise, but also, right, the ADP value game, um, getting players at the best costs. Uh, structure. You want to you want to make sure that your structure is always good. You want to make sure your portfolio is more in line with what you want your portfolio to be. The absolute number one way to do it is by making sure that correlation is a huge part of your process while while you're drafting. If you just set out and you just draft ADP values, or you just draft off of your raw ranks, right? Or you just draft off of this portfolio thing we talked about at the beginning. I want to have forty percent Brees Hall. 
I want to have 25% Kyle Pitts. And you constantly use those as your priority. You fall into so many other traps that you did not mean to. And you're not, it's not like you're screwing up in that one draft, but you're screwing up your whole portfolio and your whole process for the summer. That if you just say, I don't like Odell Beckham, I don't, neither of us do at his cost. Neither of us really like Odell Beckham. But on the teams where Odell Beckham makes sense, he, I'm going to draft them just how Pat outlined. I don't yeah. have any of the guys. Like you said, I only have Dobbins or I don't have anyone with Lamar. It just didn't work. He got sniped. I'm going to take Odell. I might even, right? It gets comes to that turn. At that point. I, I'm going to prioritize him. Right? He go, I, I, I don't know Odell's ADP offhand. He goes in the 120s, let's just say. And I'm, he goes at 120. I think what's the, the turn where you get the 7-8 turn, you get him on the 9-10 turn is, is if you're going to, if you're going to prioritize him in that situation, you probably take him in the early 10th. Right. And in that case, you may not be getting an ADP value and you may, and you may not be taking anywhere near the highest ranked player on, on your board. And yet he's still probably the right pick. Right. And so that's why correlation can, and you probably are, don't have much Odell. You have all the other guys in that range. You also have all the other Ravens, you know, and it's just this really easy, natural way to solve all like 10 problems that you can run into that I know I run into. And just by siding with correlation, I can like solve a bunch of different things and make a good team in yeah. that draft. It's like one thing to like just smooth out exposures to smooth them out. Or it's one thing to, to, you know, just take ADP value when maybe you're more of a taking a stand bro and you're not always getting ADP value. That's one thing, but the correlation allows you to solve all of those while building this really good team with appropriate correlation, you probably got other ADP values, right? Because you you use that lever in other parts of your draft. It's just like this fail safe that it's almost like every time we talk, we're like, well, if you just use correlation, you can get you can you can relieve yourself of that issue that you keep running into. Your portfolio can't win you anything. Your yeah. portfolio is not going to take down a tournament. One team. Mm-hmm is what's going to take down a tournament, a single team. So therefore, the most important thing is to build internally consistent teams that are built to rise to the top of these single-week finals. That's that's the number one thing, is to have teams that can, can get you there, but then once there, blow up and finish first in a Week 17 final. So the teams need to be built in ways that make sense for that team. You need to have clear bets on offenses. The correlation needs to make sense. It needs to be an internally consistent team, a team that has a an outlined path of what happens for this team to finish first in a single week at the end of the season. So, I mean, I really do feel like you could have – I have 4% Odell Beckham. I could have 4% Odell Beckham and it could be a total catastrophe because I've just, I've just like decided to randomly mix him in here and there, or it could be really the per the 4% Odell Beckham I have is perfectly, it is this Odell Beckham, these Odell Beckham shares that are, you know, correlated with Lamar on a team where I've sort of functionally bet against Andrews or bet against Bateman. You know, because I don't have, I don't, I'm taking it more in the, in the situation, or maybe 
maybe it's the opposite. Maybe I'm like, you know what? I'm going to mega stack the the Ravens. Yeah, and get, I like to do that. It. That's a good. That's a good one too. Where you tack on that player that you don't normally draft because the, you just said this team. I have Lamar. Maybe you don't have Andrews. I'm just just making something up. But you took Lamar, Dobbins, Bateman, Zay Flowers. The Ravens are going to have a fucking good season. Okay. If this team is, if, if so, you just say, I don't know. I kind of need a wide receiver. Maybe you took another elite tight end, a couple early running backs. You're not great at wide receiver. Just I'll throw Odell on there. Right. And say, well, clearly Lamar and the Ravens are going to be good. So let's, let's toss Odell onto this team. But again, the whole point is that you're just siding with, yeah. with some and, form. And of how can that work? How could that possibly work? Well, one way that could work is the Ravens were like the team you had to have in 2022. If they're the team that you had to have. Then, you have them. So that's awesome. So you probably advanced. Step one. Yeah, right. Yeah, step one. You probably advanced because you had the team you had to have. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Now, you couldn't really do this with every team, right? The Panthers are not the team that you had to have in 2022. I feel confident <laughs> about that. And, you know, no disrespect to Bryce Young, but he is a rookie quarterback and he doesn't have any Shorter weapons, than so. both of us. Smaller than both of us. Yeah. Yeah, as of my dog who's laying down over here. As yeah, Bryce and I don't, I don't mind Bryce Young, right? But I wouldn't just like mega stack <laughs> the Panthers because they're. I'm definitely advancing now that I have all the Panthers. Like, mm, probably not. But mm-hmm. the Ravens would be one of those teams. Certainly, there are others where they could be the team that you just had to have this year, and they kind of all advance together. Even if you're only hitting singles on a couple of the guys, or even if you strike out on a couple of the guys just the the bet as a whole was so strong that it got you there that could make flowers odell bateman it could make them at the prices that they have playoff guys as opposed to core guys because the hit that you had on the offense was so massive that you know lamar and you probably maybe need a an andrews or you know or Bateman or Flowers or one of those guys to also be an absolute smash. But again, we're saying that the team you had to have, they probably are. So you have Lamar's an absolute smash. You have another guy's an absolute smash. A third guy on that team, you kind of almost need less from, from him. Like, and you don't yeah. need nothing, but you need, but all of a sudden he goes from like, I need this dude to help me advance to, I need this dude to show up for me in the playoffs. And if the team is absolutely crushing and putting up a ton of points, you know, Zay Flowers is going to have a very quiet rookie year and then have an amazing week 15. That's not going to do much for you on a team that isn't built around the Ravens. Absolutely crushing. But it, but if it's built around a, a Ravens team that's absolutely crushing and advancing teams at a super high rate, then all of a sudden Zay Flowers can be pretty powerful on that build. Uh, uh, just a hundred percent. And I was trying to look up a, some like similar examples um the 2019 ravens are actually uh, uh funny enough a reasonable example of that uh where you know lamar mvp season breaks out andrews breaks out uh marquise brown breaks out i believe mark ingram was uh the running back on that team mm-hmm. if i yeah. if i recall correctly right. who, like all these guys were not as expensive as the ravens so it's not like some perfect one-to-one comparison but uh, the 49ers, quite frankly, have been this, you know, aside from aside from Jimmy. But if we sided with core, you say, I don't give a shit about Jimmy or, or, or I'm not talking about Trey Lance. I'm talking about like a couple years ago where Debo breaks out. George Kittle is one of the best fantasy tight ends. Brandon Ayuk breaks out. Um, they have running backs, whether it's Mostert or Jeff Wilson or uh, any running back that touches the field for the 49ers. Right. You just said, I, I don't know, the 49ers are the team that I need. Debo Samuel's a superstar. He used to go in like the eighth round years ago. 
Um, you know, Brandon Ayuk is a second round pick wide receiver. George Kittle is the best tight end all around tight end in the NFL, right? I'm just going to load up on these 49ers. They're the team that you have to have. And poof, guess what? The, the, if you had five 49ers on your team, you know, were they all going off in any individual week? No, but that that's the fun nuance of this yeah. format that I just give me a Raven in the sixth in week 16 to help me get to week 17. And then I don't give a shit. Cause now I got all of them. They go off again in week 17. I win. Right. Or, you know, Dobbins goes off, which we've kind of outlined in the past before uh, Dobbins goes off in week 16, your second stack puts you in to week 17. And now you have this low owned, maybe even low owned Ravens dolphins game stack in, in week 17, which sounds pretty fucking good. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> so sounds very, 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 very fun um, to me. But I just think ultimately the correlation thing is honestly, it's taken me, it's probably taken me multiple years to like really kind of get it down. And I'm certainly not perfect. I just outlined how Brian Robinson uh, has fallen between the cracks and I do draft 49ers. Although we talked about some issues with that, but being cognizant of the fact that these things exist and being cognizant to me of um, knowing what you believe that your edges are. So you talked about Brees Hall, right? Brees Hall is a flag pant, flag plant, rubber stamp, I believe this guy is a huge edge in 2023, but you probably, everybody probably has a handful of those guys. Yeah. Right? We all do. That's we why we do. play this, right? Yeah. You don't there would play be- fantasy football if you don't have flag plant guys. I, I can't fathom spending the amount of time I spend <laughs> on this goddamn game and just being like, yeah, you know, I don't And watching that. football too. Like, yeah, exactly. Like- I watch every game and like, it's fun like I just can't fathom not getting any enjoyment out of like, I will never, this is a sad state of affairs, but I will never forget for my life. The first four weeks of Sam Darnold on the Carolina Panthers, he was leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns. He was leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns. I drafted tons of DJ Moore, And I was, I was taking a lot of Sam Darnold as a late, as a, a late quarterback. It was amazing being able to post shit on Twitter and being like, you fucking idiot. I wasn't saying Well, you're going to get those like, four weeks again with Sam Howe. Yes, exactly. Four weeks and I'll get those to dunk four. on you and then I'll never talk to you again from week five there on. <laughs> so I don't have to deal with it. Week one. It is going to be, eight, listen, it's going to be a rough four to eight weeks for me. I know that. I know that. And they play the Cardinals in week one. If you don't think I got tweet drafts ready to roll for that first touchdown against you're the You're going to win team. week one. You're going to win. <laughs> I'm ready to get dunked on. I'm, I'll, I, here, here's my dumb face to be posterized. <laughs> that one's going on the next thumbnail as well. Uh, but, y'all, if you don't think I got – they play the worst team in the NFL in, in week one, so it's going to be – it's going to be glorious, but like Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis scored the first, uh, that first touchdown in week one on kind of the trick play they ran and around or statue of Liberty or whatever the fuck it was that they running Gabe's running into the end zone untouched. Like if you think I wasn't dancing around my house, like celebrating like that, absolutely. That's just fun. So I couldn't imagine doing it, but it's like, you only have that edge on a handful of players. Like don't right. fool yourself into thinking. And I'm not even saying that anyone's fooling themselves because it happens to me or, or you as well, but don't fall into the trap where you end up either you believe you have an edge and every single round of the draft, you know, the guy, or you're like falling into it because of the psychological effects or just because of how things are playing out. Right. We all do it. You click the same guy in the round say, over and over and over. I would say fall into it and then dig yourself out a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah. Like just, it's not just, a bad thing to learn yeah. about to learn that about yourself. Yeah, yeah just true. just be reviewing what you're doing mm-hmm. and go. Oh, I've seen. Uh, this seems like a little bit too much here. I, I think I'm. I think I'm falling into that trap a little bit here. But to me, drafting's fun. So I do kind of want to just like in any given draft be like, all right, I'm doing this. But then mm-hmm. in the back of my mind, you know, enter enter the draft with like, you know, I am probably not doing enough of this thing or that thing. And so if it arises, then I'll try to course correct a little bit, but only in ways that make sense for that team, for that draft. I'm not going to force it. But if you're constantly reviewing, like I seem to be falling into this trap a little, this trap a little, then you'll start to be able to course correct naturally, as opposed to having to like radically swing and try to get, because the last thing I want to be doing is like, I didn't get any of this player all summer. Let me just draft like 25 teams with him. Like that's, that's not going to work. And you draft bad versions then of the teams because you're forcing, right? You're forcing a portfolio. As you said, the portfolio doesn't win anything. It's, it's really, and this is the other thing that I think people forget sometimes too, is like, I mean, Pat can clearly speak to this one team that you draft this summer is going to make your whole season. That yeah, could one be good team. or that could that could be good or that could be bad, right? Your your highest scoring team could not make the finals. Uh, you know, your best team could not make the finals, and that's going to make your season because you didn't make the finals or make any real money. But the flip side is true: one team, you don't have the slightest idea which one it's going to be. One team is going to decide whether you make no money, a lot of money, a little money, or some you know somewhere in between. One team, and so the teams are what do this. The portfolio is important. But ultimately, it is uh, uh, about those about those teams. Those teams. And so, yeah, uh, go ahead. And, and well, and I think about it like you, you're saying you don't want to draft bad versions of these teams. I mean, I've this is one way because uh, another thing that you can get in trouble with. Um, and this is something I think I've gotten a lot better at, but it's only kind of been through practice is is you can get locked into specific structures. And in this round, I do this. And in this round, I do this. And I kind of start my drafts like this. That's definitely, I think, some of the, like, you got to let the draft fall to you stuff is, is a bit of a straw man. I think that's often done by people who are very comfortable with their structures and don't want to try. Yeah. Structures specifically, usually light running back structures. Um, but <laughs> you could also just start zero running back too often. And that be, mm-hmm. that becomes your dominant structure, the structure you're most comfortable with. Uh, you could be avoiding the early quarterbacks all the time. You could be, you know, always grabbing an early quarterback, always grabbing an elite tight end, whatever it is. You could be overweighting specific structures or just kind of doing what's comfortable too much. Um, especially for me with like running back, running back, uh, that was a structure I didn't draft a ton of in 2021. It was one that I wanted to draft more of in 2022, fortunately. I did because that's, you know, the team I I won with had that start. And it was to me like when I'm trying to try out a different structure, but I think this also applies to the player level too, is it's like I'm going to do this better than the people who do it all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do running back, running back, but I'm going to do it kind of my version, like my player archetypes, my, you know, I'm going to take running back, running back, but with two guys who I think have legendary upside you know, still following the rules of, of what I think about early round running back, but you know, I'm or I'm going to take here running back, but I'm going to you know really punt the running back two part of that and go to this pocket of this other draft that I think is really uh, fertile for running back, whatever it is, right? Or like 
you know, I've, I've also also said the opposite, like for people who don't like drafting zero running back, like draft zero running back and try to outdraft That's a good one. me and Eric, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, these guys don't know their player. Like they might, they're doing this structure and they're doing it with these players. I hate. So, right. Do it with this. They take use Dalvin. Our structure against us. Yeah. They take Dalvin, you know, as, as the running back on that team, they take whatever, exactly. uh, uh Brian Robinson, right? and then Brian they, Robinson, they, they, take they have it, all those the, guys on that team. Yeah. Yeah, they have a zero running back team that you would never build. Never, and, literally never, yep. Right, so you can be directionally accurate. Zero running back, great year for zero running back. But you didn't have those right running backs that they have, right? And, and the example of this last year would be Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs was not a guy I was taking a lot of. I don't think you were taking a lot of them. Nope. Um, so Like 2%. You had, I think. <laughs> yeah, if you had Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders on your zero running back team, you know, it's pretty sweet. You know, that was a pretty, that was a, it was a nice year. It was a nice, that was a nice move. Um, you drafted zero running back better than the zero running back dudes. I think this is a possible thing to do. So it's like, if you're going to be mixing in structures that you don't feel comfortable with, or that kind of aren't your preferred structures, the structures don't make you feel comfy, do it with the mindset of, I'm going to do this even better than the people who do this all the time. And, to take this to the player level, like I don't have much Sam Howell. I'm at two and a half percent right now, but oh, that's more better believe when I have him, he's, he's double stacked with a bring back. And I got him in the 18th round. Like he, the Sam mm-hmm. Howell I do have is pretty powerful. Sam Howell. It's right. like Sam Howell's hit. Sam Howell hits. Those teams are going to look pretty sweet. And when, if one of those teams bubbles up to the top, no one comes like, and there's no like guy who comes around like the train and text checks your portfolio. Like, did you have 18% Howell for this team to be live? You have to have 18%. This doesn't like, count. Yeah. This doesn't, this team, we get to, we get to week 17 and you have to submit your exposures. Yeah. To yeah. Uh, the ticket, the ticket keeper. And say, uh, I don't think you're allowed to win this. If you only drafted 2% Sam Howell, this is for the Sam Howell bros, right? If you posted about Sam Howell on Twitter in a positive light, you're allowed to be here. Yeah. Otherwise, Show Sorry, me your obnoxious no. howl tweets, or otherwise yeah. you can't get the money. Did you? Where are <laughs> Show they? Show me you From being week two. An we want to see week two yeah. tweets. Show me you uh, being an asshole to Pat Kareen on Twitter because he hated <laughs> Sam Howell. And if there's if that tweet does not exist, sorry, this is for the real Sam. Anyone Howell who tags Pat Kareen can win with Sam Howell. Pat Kareen can't win with Sam Howell. That's how this works. Uh, no, like you're you can you're allowed to take the money home if you win with a Sam Howell team. It was your only time you drafted him. Like that's mm-hmm. that's legal. So. You know, Such, so true. Trying to build with the guys you don't normally draft, but building really, really well constructed teams with those guys is important. I think I think that is so good. And then also what you said, um, that kind of honestly like ties it all everything that we've talked about here together from the ADP versus ranks versus all the nuance of all that versus exactly you know what stands are your are your edges and all that is kind of as simple as you said, let yourself kind of kind of fall into these most likely traps. Uh, this is really what I do. So it's funny. I was sort of being hypocritical, but this, the draft season starts, right? I mentioned this, that like with the Bucks, I think I was falling into a trap of some, it, it, they're definitely not a trap, but in terms of how I want my teams to look, um, I was just falling into a little bit of a, of a trap. I just start drafting. I don't yeah. create my rankings. I don't, yeah. I don't really deeply dive into anything. I just start drafting this. My I, I do some team. player pools. Like I kind of do some like stuff to like kind of review 
the player pool and guys who I who I think are targets based. I'll do some right. sort of initial player research is the first thing that I that I do. Right. I, I I kind of look at the player pool and say, okay, this guy's going yeah. here, this guy's going here. But I don't really have my takes fleshed out. There are a hundred percent teams I drafted on the first day of Best Ball Mania one where I'm like, why the fuck did I take that guy? I don't really like him <laughs> or I don't like that stack or whatever, right? Or oh my God, I took that guy at this point. I it's also funny to go back and look at your big board teams if anybody played in the big board oh, on underdog, which is pre-NFL draft. Some of them you're like, God damn I'm a genius and the other ones you're just like oh my god i'm the worst fantasy football player of all, of, of all time like you know there's there's third round deandre swift on there there's there's some there's some some teams that don't look so good but letting yourself kind of uh you learn a lot about yourself what you like how you draft the structures you like what you think about this player pool, your favorite players in every round, you learn all that by kind of, like you said, letting yourself go draft 10 teams. If you got a hundred percent of, of Brian Robinson, right? You're the opposite of us. Brian Robinson is the best pick for you around pick 100. You just keep taking him every time. Well, now you know that now you you've understood that about yourself. Uh, the reason why my ranks and probably Pat's ranks change uh, really anytime they do over the summer, of course, news and, things happen but honestly i don't react as much to the news anymore particularly as i used to what changes now is because i did a bunch of drafts that's and i that's got a, to, the, yeah a lot of my changes is because i'm drafting a lot right and so i'm falling into not necessarily falling into traps but to to expand upon what you're saying i'm learning about myself i'm learning i have zero percent brian robinson now i go back and assess that and i say do i need to move him down or do i or was that just an, an flaw an error I made right. in my, my drafting. Right. But you have to let yourself learn that you, you, there, no one on the planet, Pat won uh, a lot of money playing best ball last year. He didn't show up to day one this year with every single answer. He's figuring it out as the summer goes. And you have to let yourself, you have to let yourself do that because it's the only way you're ever going to figure out all the nuance of what we started at the top. Do I just take the ADP value here? Do I keep letting him slide? Do I need it? I don't like Odell, but do I need to take Odell? right here on this team, right? Do I take when, what do I do with my stand that I want to take on Brees, right? At the 301, you said at the 301, he's not a good pick, but at the 311, he, you know, you have to learn all of that shit by, by figuring it out. And yours are going to be different than mine versus someone, someone watching. But um, I think it's, it's kind of uh, similar to a lot of the conversations we have where it's all the answers are in the nuance and, and the details as opposed to like, should I use ADP versus ranks? Is like the answer to everything is, it depends. It always yeah. it depends. Yeah, and like I think your, I mean the Brees thing, right? Like I passed on at three eleven, and I took him at three hundred one on the same day. That type <laughs> of stuff. I I think Sean Sean Siegel's probably the first guy that I've like saw kind of do stuff like that, where I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like I've seen you take JSN in the fourth round, yeah. and you just you said you like JSN. What the fuck? Why you're lying to me? You're lying. Yeah, and, and it is. He's kind of like cryptic in how he ex like how he like acts. Right, he's very kind of straightforward yeah, yeah. and relaxed and stuff. And so you're like, I'm. I find myself getting triggered. Like Sean, what's going on? Tell me why you're doing this. I'm like pounding the table, you know. But he's right. Uh, you're 100 spot on. Yeah, you don't like want to pin him down on on stuff. Like, no, you must take. You like this guy here. You must take him here, so that I know if I should take him here. <laughs> right. And it's like, no, you don't have to. Even if you really like a guy, you know, sometimes it makes sense to pass on a like. And generally, we want to be getting the best prices on these players. But <laughs> you know, I think to me, building that eternally consistent team, or building a team where like like I had the Jefferson Olave team, right? 
Why do I like Brees Hall on that team? Well, I think it's because I have Justin Jefferson, who's amazing. He's going to have a really high advance rate, most likely. You know, as long as he he's so good that as long as he stays healthy, he's going to have a great advance rate. And if he doesn't stay healthy, I'm screwed because he's the one on one. Yep. I got Chris Olave, who I think is an incredible value at the two twelve, and maybe not an insane value, but just I, I like that. I like scooping mm-hmm. him up. This is on DraftKings, by the way. So the the full PPR even better. I, I like it even more. And okay, so now I'm like I'm sitting pretty. What do I want? Well, this is a it, this is a very top heavy tournament. I want to make sure that I'm maximizing the late season upside with this team that I feel very I, this this start that I feel really good about. Who maximizes that late season upside for me? I know Derek Henry plays the the Texans twice, <laughs> you know, but to me it's still Brees Hall. It's still Brees Hall. Who, who's the guy who you just absolutely looking at all your teams going, do I have Brees Hall in this one? Do I have Brees Hall? In to me, he's that guy, you, you know, and we're going to have guys like that where you're going to mm-hmm. go through all your teams and go, do I have him here? Do I have him here? Do I have him here? He is a very strong candidate to be that guy in week 15, 16, and 17. And so with that start, I'm like, that's the guy I want. I, you know, but with the Adams Waddle start, I'm like, I'd rather build out this game stack and see if I can get, now I didn't get Lamar or Tua in that build. And so you can go back and go, oh man, I actually wish I had Brees here instead of Andrews, but Andrews is also an incredible pick at the 311. And I still like having an Andrews Waddle mini correlation. I mean, those could be, that game could go off through them Mm -hmm. and I could have, you know, other things going right. You know, I built out additional correlation beyond those. I didn't, throw up my hands when I didn't get to in Lamar, like the quarterbacks I have are stacked with bringbacks. Um, or at least that's what I was tempted. I don't remember the exact team off the top of my head, but that's how I try to play that out if I can't get my primary stuff. So, you know, it's not that, um, you know, even without the game stack, I still think it was probably the right move to go ahead and take Andrews there, letting the correlation guide my hand. And to me, like the correlation isn't something that's, balancing stuff for you it's not another thing that you have to balance it's a way of making all those other things balance out more easily right like yep. i'm trying to i'm trying to actually cool off a little bit on breeze right now as this dalvin cook thing resolves mm-hmm. what's one way that i could do that well one way is to take a great value on mark andrews uh who you also really like correlation is why i pulled the trigger on that right so that's it's not that correlation was something i was balancing so much as it like steered me like you said you wanted to do this, and here it is. Do it. And yep. so I did, right? Yep. And so that, that's, to me, part of the value of it. The other thing I, I, I want to – it came up as you were talking and it just popped in my head. Uh, some of these player stands as you review stuff, one that like really kind of did not make me feel good is I looked at where I had Leonard Fournette, who I'm at 20% on, which I which is gross, and I don't like it. <laughs> um. I've gone too far with that. I, I need to do a couple of things. I should probably take a little bit more Zeke. I should probably take more Hi. Hunt. Mm-hmm. That's the big one. And I should probably just, you know, maybe not let myself get, maybe take more like Jerome Ford or, you know, a, a running back a little earlier so that I have, so that I'm done at running back sooner so that I don't have to take my fifth running back or my sixth running back um, that late. So there's a few different things. However, I will also say that even if I didn't do any of those things, there's no way I would finish 
Well, there's not no way because I drafted a bunch of Wolf Fuller last year. Um, but there's a low chance that I would end up with this level of Fournette exposure when week one hits because the bet is that this price – the reason I'm taking Fournette like this is because I don't think this price holds. And exactly. I think he's one of the more interesting guys. I think he – because he's, he's a massive dude who – Still had a pretty solid success rate last year. I think you know he's he, he can be used at the goal line. His receiving efficiency did not fall off. He's always kind of sucked, in my opinion, but he's still Correct. the same guy. He's mm-hmm. the the touch the high value profile is remains intact. Mm-hmm. He was efficient as a receiver. He rumble. He still rumbles, and he can rumble at the goal line. Um, so the bet is he can actually carve out a bit of a high value you know, high value touch targets plus goal line work profile on a new team. I feel more confident, overly confident, clearly based on these percentages, but more confident that he can do that than Kareem Hunt. Oh yeah. But but I then agree. the bet and is I hate Lenny. I I despise Lenny, but I think even if you if you are the, of the opinion of me of, of his his talent and all that kind of kind of stuff, it's foolish to not consider what the NFL thinks. And Tom Brady right. and the Bucks have thought, guess what? This is our guy. We're riding with him through all the high value touches. We're going to throw the ball 50 times a game, and he's going to be back there protecting Tom Brady, who can't move, by the way. And he's going to be check, catching check downs, and he's going to be getting goal line carries on a Super Bowl team. Um, other teams care about that kind of stuff, right? We can love Dwayne McBride and, uh, you know, Deuce Vaughn and uh, Eric Gray and Chase Brown, and we can love all those guys, and th- that's fine. But the NFL does a lot of the times just say, hmm. I'm trying to win a Super Bowl, right? The 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 Bengals are trying to win a Super Bowl. Are they gonna ride with Travion Williams or uh, you know uh, Chase Brown when a real when it, when it's really nut cutting time, when it's really you know they were down in the trenches? Are they gonna say yeah, it's fine, Chase, go protect Joe? Burrow. I mean, that's my yeah. dream scenario. Is he goes yeah. he goes to the Bengals if they cut Nixon, he goes to the Bengals. But but that's right. Like, let's say that happened. Then that's obviously all of a sudden it looks like I actually should have been drafting more for that. Even yeah. though I definitely shouldn't have. Um, so he goes to the Bengals, you know, his price rises to, I mean, again, a mix and was cut. I mean, he's like, what, like a fifth, sixth round Very, pick. I mean, yes. it, people would get carried away. I obviously I mean, wouldn't take him a, a single time. Like I wouldn't take him once. Correct. Right. And, and that's my hope. And I think some of these was your reviewing stuff, right? Like some of the, and this is kind of goes to the ADP thing of where if I think it's okay to like make bets on closing line value. I don't want to make bets all over the map of closing line value, but like veteran running back who I think does what he does still and what he does is pretty valuable for fantasy. I mean, he's kind of the ultimate PPR scam guy. Then, you know, I'm making a closing line value bet on this player. So I'm overweight. Now I would ideally I'd be at sixteen percent for net as as this closing line value bet. Mm-hmm. But then ideally I would be at ten percent for net at the end of the season or eight percent for net at the end of the the off season. Right. But all my for net exactly is the cheap for net, all of it, and some of it's so cheap. Eighteenth round. I mean that's like I want stuff like that. The only way to get stuff like that is to be in uncom- in some uncomfortable situations at various points in the offseason because you're going to have to – it's going to have to even out from something that's uncomfortable if you're going to be even with the field on the whole but only get the good prices at one point. 
you are overweight and embarrassed to tell your friends that you have 20% wonderful net. That is, so I, I, I do, I have done this year and have done in uh, past years, the exactly what you did, but the opposite where, so this, I call this the Darrington Evans or this year, the Jerome Ford, mm-hmm. where I did the opposite. Everyone hunt is gone, right? Everyone's Jerome Ford. He's never played in the NFL Basically, he wasn't even anything special, you know, as a as a college prospect. He was just a re- active to be a return man last year, blah, blah, blah. Right. Darrington Evans, this kid from Appalachian State, you know, Derrick Henry gets all the touches. He's not he's not help- worthwhile for fantasy and they could bring in a veteran. Right. That's that's the Jerome Ford thing was this year. Uh, he might be the backup now, but they're, they're what if they bring in a veteran? And I mean, they still technically could, but it's the same thing as Fournette. But on the flip side, this is, well, if everyone's scared of Nick Chubb's direct handcuff because yeah. of the veteran, I'll take him in the last round, like a lot, right? Like I'll, I'll do yeah. what, what same thing with Fournette, you know, yeah, the, the bet can fail, but any bet can fail, right? And absolutely. Any of these guys can fail the, the closing line value thing. Is a, is a great one where sometimes, right, if you got uh, not necessarily closing line value with a, a, a Josh Jacobs, but it, the impact of your Josh Jacobs, if you got the cheapest price last year, if you waited for all of us to shit on him for three months and you took him in the eighth round at the end of the summer, you said, this guy's going to fall because all the zero RB bros hate him. Or like whatever. In the Spike Week League we did, I have Josh Jacobs. Yep. But, and and I got him at a great price because we all didn't <laughs> like him. You know, you knew that you're in a room of 12 people who ate Josh Jacobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I was like, I'll take him here. So I took those... David Montgomery. I took David. I got the raw go. end of that deal. I tried to do the exact same thing. I got like 10th round David Montgomery. I just took the one who did really fucking suck. You took the <laughs> one who was good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you that there's sort of a closing line value thing and a you getting good prices on guys, even if there's not closing line value. I mean, in some ways that's better, right? If a guy's ADP just stays just keeps falling. Mm hmm. No, I mean, like, if, if you... But Jacobs, like, fell, right? You know what I mean? Jacobs he went from fall, I guess, fourth yeah. round to the end. But same thing. But same idea. Just getting a good price on yeah. someone, like you said, is true. It can be more powerful because it's, like, the only the only times, like, if you if you scoop a guy, and this maybe could be a reason to draft a player you don't normally draft, like that Tony one, right? Like, Tony's probably not going to fall into the 90s. That dude, I'm so jealous of news. that guy. We'd have to get some bad camp news, like really bad camp news. Otherwise, really I bad. And, I, and which and we're, we're not probably going to. We're probably going to get good camp news, which means exactly. he's probably only going to go up. Yeah. Yeah. So like, there's guy a guy out there is an, a mid '90s Kadarius Tony. Like, I'm super jealous of that. Like, that's so that's one reason to you know to scoop those guys who you don't normally take, and it kind of goes to the thing of like if you're going to have a Kadarius, if you know if I'm going to be underweight Kadarius Tony, but I've got him primarily at big ADP discounts and, and correlated with Bengals yep. stuff and chief stuff. Like that's the way I want. And my, I want my underweight positions to be powerful underweight positions. Yes. That's gotta be the, that's gotta be the, the ringing endorsement of the whole thing that we originally started talking about with the show, like, right. Like rankings versus ADP versus all these other variables, player stands, all this shit that comes together is kind of like, I want all of my teams to be the best versions of these teams. And a part of that, like you said, I want my I want my Kadarius Tony's teams to be the best fucking Kadarius Tony teams that are in this tournament because every team, A, I want every team to be able to win based on a certain thing, like a win condition, yeah. right? A, yeah, a, a scenario condition, yeah. plays out 
and I want this team to, to win, win when that scenario plays out. I don't Not want tenth. Yes, I don't. I don't. Or you know, oh, I made the final, but I got the worst fucking Kadarius Tony team because yeah, yeah. I took a stand. Right, like you said, your portfolio can't win anything. The team wins it. I took a stand on Kadarius Tony, and guess what? I was right. I've been victory lapping on Twitter all all season you idiots thought there was risk with Kadarius tony i was right but you show up with your one team because you're still probably not going to get you know you may not even you're get gonna a get one team. team that's the other thing about these like best ball mania like you get one team in this year like congratulations that was an incredible achievement like it is yes. going to be very difficult like us combined odds are will not neither get, us get a there. single team into the finals this year if either one of us gets a team into the finals like we ran really hot yes right and so even when you right, you nailed Josh Jacobs last year. You nailed Kadarius Tony this year. You might show up with one team to the finals, right? And if Kadarius Tony was a smash, you ain't going to be the only Kadarius Tony team that's in there, right? Just like you weren't the only, even though Josh Jacobs' playoff run wasn't very good, he was so good for the season. You couldn't possibly be the only Josh Jacobs team. So I want the best one. I want the team that went. Look, I hit Kadarius Tony this season, right? Uh, in week 17, how do I take this thing down when Kadarius Tony was right? Because like you said, your portfolio doesn't win it. That team has to win it. So I want all of the best teams around whatever, you know, it, it, Kadarius Tony just happened to be this example. It could be that Ravens stack. How do I win with this Ravens stack? Because I've just said they're crushing. I want the best Ravens stacks. I want the best Leonard Fournette teams. I want the best of all of these things, right? And that's why the conversation is so nuanced with, do I just draft off my rankings? No, because you're not always going to get the best teams if you just draft off your rankings, but also the ADP thing. You're not going to get the best teams if all you do is scoop ADP value every single time too. Yeah, because if you, you just scoop ADP value, like in both situations, your teams can be incoherent. Sometimes I struggle with DraftKings. I did the, they had a promotion to do three $10 milli teams over there. And the milli teams, the, the $10 milli over there is is pretty soft. The yeah. people do crazy stuff and, you can get really good values on guys. But I was multi-tabling. I had the two monitors set up. So I had I was doing two drafts at once. And I'm just like drafting off my rankings, which I prefer to do with DraftKings because the ADP I don't trust as much. Right. Um I it, probably should have mentioned it's consistent. before the two hour mark, but like <laughs> I, I I like drafting off of ADP much more on underdog than on DraftKings because DraftKings the ADP doesn't really inform me that much. Like Correct. I just don't trust the market as much. Um, yeah, uh, underdog is going to be fairly consistent. Of course, you know, things happen, guys fall, blah, blah, blah. But generally speaking, you can make strong, smart decisions off, off, the, ADP off the ADP on underdog. DraftKings, mm, and I can trust does their own thing. Generally, I can trust that the other drafters in the room will be respecting ADP to a degree on underdog. Whereas on DraftKings, depending on the tournament, but the, the $10 melee tournament in particular, I have no faith at all that they're going to do mm -hmm. that. No. So I actually think I'm just better off drafting off my rankings there, which have ADP baked in a little bit. But um, yeah, I was just, I was multi-tabling uh, the two DraftKings Millie teams. And I was just like getting all these guys that I like, but it wasn't correlated. It was like, you know, I, I don't think they're that good of teams, even though they have probably a bunch of guys, like the odds that I hit on some players who are league winners on both of those teams are, I think, pretty good, mm -hmm. right? I trust my evaluation of this stuff, you know, to an extent. I think I'm going to be directionally accurate with my player takes this yep. year. Yep. But 
I don't think that those teams necessarily really have what it takes to kind of bubble up to the top of a single week. I, I, I really, I don't, unfortunately, because I didn't kind of, I didn't build them with that in mind. I built them with, oh, this guy's here. Awesome. This guy's here. I love him too. Oh, right. sick. This guy also made it. They're on completely different teams. I would have had to hit the odds that I hit like the pure nuts in terms of like, you just had to have all of these players. Um, and they're the players who their offenses happen to run through for the course of the season. And especially for that single week, like unlikely, unlikely, you know, you mean it's more likely you, that, and, you and 1.2 million other uh, of your, of your buddies and a, what a thousand 1200 or whatever in the, in the final. Yeah. The fact that you did to hit that parlay, probably pretty unlikely. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So it's like, and you can do that with ADP too. Like if you just were to scoop the ADP value every time, I think there's been some some research showing like actually that's a pretty good way to to build teams. Like if you just take the top rated player, someone had a Twitter thread about this. Sorry, I can't remember who it was. I apologize. Um, but it was at the top rated or the, the biggest ADP value at each position if you just did that. So you're still building structurally sound teams, but you're right. just taking you're letting the market decide who that that's actually a pretty good way to advance teams. I would be pretty skeptical of that as a best ball mania strategy if you're not utilizing correlation, right? Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're doing that plus correlation, actually, that maybe would work. Mm-hmm. I could never do it because that, I mean, what? Boring. What, what are you, what, what are we doing here? Aren't we having fun? <laughs> you just that let the sounds, market decide all your that players. That sounds awful. Yeah. Sounds why would awful I let way. other people, the whole point of me playing this is because <laughs> the I whole think point I is be to better. feel smart, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, it, like, I can do a lot of things to feel stupid. I do that on a daily basis. I don't need to do this. I don't need to pay $25 to let <laughs> other people, to, to, to tell myself that these other people are smarter <laughs> Everyone's than Everyone's smarter than me. Twice <laughs> or $25. Tell me how much smarter you are than me. <laughs> tell me how stupid I am. Yeah, but I mean, there is, <laughs> there, I mean, you could do that. Honestly, you probably could, mm-hmm. and it, it might work. Um, but you still have to that. build a team, right? To you still win have to build the an contest. internally consistent team. Advancing, and especially in Best Ball Mania, man, I, I, we've talked about it. I've written about it. I'm sure you've written about it. I think people need to, to remember, A, a, a big portion of the prize pool in Best Ball Mania goes to the regular season. So advancing doesn't do shit for you. You got to finish in the regular season side really, 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 really high. That's not an advancing team. That's like one of the highest scoring teams in the regular season. The nuts. Yeah, you have to hit the nuts to even get $250. On the playoff side, to advance, you win $5. Five, profit. You put $25 in, you finish top two in your league. You, congratulations. You turn that $25 from nine months <laughs> or whatever, six months of, of time you sat around and drafted teams and watched, and you made $5 of profit on that $25 team. That's great. You didn't lose money, but that didn't do Well, shit you probably did, though, because, you know, you're not going to – of your 150 teams, you're not going to advance all of them. You're, you're – so, I mean, going to lose money if you even if you advance teams, even if you advance teams at a high, much higher than average rate, you're going to lose money unless you make a deep run with a team. Yeah, like if you advance 30 teams, which is pretty good because you're expected to advance 25, you advance 30 teams, that's 900 bucks. Um, 900 divided by 37. So you lost 2,800. You lost 2,800. You lost three fourths of your your money if you were back centered. You, right. you lost seventy six percent of that money with a twenty percent advance rate, which is above expectation. If they all die, 
in week 15 and you don't finish in that, right? If, even if a couple of those, right? Even if a couple of those teams finish with the $250 regular season payout, which is, which, which would be really running hot, right? So let's say two teams made that 250 and 30 teams advanced. That is uh, what, $1,400? That's $1,400. So you lost 20, let's just call it $2,400. You lost $2,400 by with an above average advance rate and, and running pure as the sun on the regular season side. You lost $2,400. So like, think about that. You need to make a deep run. You need to, you need to really finish high. You need to get to week 17 and have a big finish. Yes. To to really make money in this thing. Or run so, hotter than the sun in the regular season and yeah, take like, one of those really tough. Really, yeah. Which yeah. You which you can absolutely someone but, will do. But you can do both. <laughs> someone, that's, that's, someone, someone will do that. Someone's gonna do it. Why not us? Right? That's the yeah. Bears new. I think the Bears are saying that now. Every every team that sucks ass, their new phrase is why not us? I think the Bears That's below no one like, believes in us. If no one yes. believes in you, you have a chance. If it's why not you, it's not you. Sorry. Yeah, it's not why not you because you just said why not us, and that that's yeah. the whole point. <laughs> no one who's good says why. Not. The Chiefs never said why not us. They never I'll said. I don't think they've ever <laughs> no, said they, in the entire Reed era. <laughs> no, they said it's fucking us, you idiots. Like the, they said, no, not why not why why all those guys. Like it, yeah. it's clearly us. We know that it's us. But um, the, the people will enjoy it because we almost approached uh, the two hour mark. Pat, anything before we get out of here that you got coming after smelling the roses literally for uh, for a week? What's on tap here? Is training camp's almost here, man. I can't believe it. I, I can't know. believe training camp's almost here. It's wild. I've got an article that just came out this morning um, on running back success rate, uh, including a little bit of some Brees Hall propaganda. I don't know if his ADP <laughs> is going to support my legendary running backs article because traditionally I've done the top two running backs. I normally go oh, yeah. like use FFPC to get like or nfc or some really running back heavy to get to get the most running backs i can in there but i haven't traditionally not written about the third round running backs i may change that this year because i think it's just a very interesting third round even travis Etienne is sort of a pretty interesting guy to talk about with this but as we talked about Brees hall's adp might even fall out of the third round so this was a little bit of that legendary Brees hall it was a little taste of some of the stuff Mm -hmm. that really has me on him his his profile in that article is like probably three times as long as Samaji P. Ryan's. Shocked. Maybe, even, maybe yeah. even four or five times as long. But I, I was looking at guys who had small sample sizes last year but performed very well um, in NFL Next Gen success rate. And I'm looking at a, some other running back metrics and just kind of basically looking at running back outlooks for that group. It's the third part of a series that I'm doing. It's going to be a four-part series. So uh, you guys can check that out. A lot of the article is free. Um, so if you just want to sign up for free, you can do that. You can also get $30 off by going to legendaryupside.com slash early. Uh, that will be running through next Tuesday where I will be doing a mega stream, a, a seven draft mega stream Oof. that I'm going to be doing with Eric. It's going to be one of the guests that I have. I'm going to have 18 guests, seven hours, 18 guests for 718. That's the date that I drafted the, the winning baseball mania team. So a uh, little bit of a celebration with that. Um, you guys should check that out on the legendary upside YouTube channel. Um, but that will be the last date that I'm running this $30. I'm running it through, through that, uh, seven eighteen. But if you, if you want to go ahead and get that, um, if you've been kind of procrastinating getting that, I would recommend going ahead and signing up, getting the $30 off, getting the 40% off spike week. I do also have a few underdog credits left. If you sign up nice. for the early bird, you can get $50, 
credit on underdog uh, on my YouTube and podcast feed, the link for the, the spot where you need to go fill out the form. So I have your username to send to underdog will be in the description. Um, yeah, go ahead and, and, uh, and sign up. And uh, there's one other thing I was going to mention, but I forget what it was. <laughs> brain is jumbled from two hours of talking of course sign up for legendary upside so you can get the 40 percent off of spike week because um i'm biased of course but the things that we've added this summer i think the sickos and the real best ball bros will really appreciate in particular with our draft hacker which is um uh via our premium browser extension overlays that lay onto your and like an insane amount of options that you can choose that show up on your draft screen on the desktop. When you are drafting, you can see some of the things like Pat and I were talking about. That's how I know uh, I have no Brian Robinson because when I'm drafting, I get to that range of the draft every time. And a bunch of other guys have, you know, 25% exposure next to them. And Brian Robinson has 1% or whatever. But of course you can see correlations. We built it out for weekly winners as well. So you actually I haven't drafted any weekly winners yet because I've, was I was traveling and I was like, I'm not going up against these spike week guys. It me, is pretty insane before I, yeah, it is pretty insane. Honestly, um, being able to see the number of game stacks and the specific game stacks that you have in any week over the entire season, you can pull up a player's full schedule, full 17 week schedule. And it will highlight when you have game stacks for those tons of different options um, that you can see for the weekly winner stuff to build if you want to build for a specific week, if you want to build for a specific team, if you want to build for anything, um, we built all that in there for the weekly winners. And I'm pretty excited about that. And of course that has different, you know, you can utilize all these different things across all the different formats and uh, the draft hacker really um, is, is, is in a pretty fun, pretty fun place. So I'm excited about that. And you can get 40% off of it using leg up as a promo code. But for that, um perfect two hour time mark that we made it here we didn't quite get to two and a half so the people be a little disappointed i never said let's right. wrap or uh to yeah wrap. we never did we never said to close to wrap yeah, things we, up we just talked this is that unless this we're is, not done yet this is technically that we'll cut this before we uh <laughs> before before we post we it, go but, for another uh, hour we'll, just yeah well <laughs> make sure you join pat's stream of course uh on on 718 but then we will see you guys again next week peace <laughs>